Welcome to the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast with Dr. Fuck and the Ayatollah of Alcohola, Ian Wadley, better known as Wadzilla. So enjoy another awesome, incredible episode of the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. Bam, 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 diddly dee. Schmackamagob, it's me, the FCC, and with me is... Oh yeah, the FBI baby, Wadzilla. Yeah, we're fucking full of those little number letters today, man. We're acronyms. You're you're FBI female body explorer. And I am the FCC. (laughs) I'm the FCC, which stands for um, I'm fucking awesome. Hell yeah, Yeah. you got a guest, right? Yes, we do. We got the one and only Eric Jordan, a.k.a. Eric RMCP with us today. Oh, yeah. And Oh, yeah. Hey, that's my line. <laughs> um, Was that an echo? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you might hear an echo on this episode. Uh, but, brother, man, it's good to finally have you on here. Uh, no, you've been a listener for a long, long time, and I still, I have to laugh. Every time I see your name, that it's still Eric RMCP. I never and, wanted to remove uh, it. <laughs> and a little backstory. Normally stuff like this I'd tell when we talk about you being a fan of the week, but I, I got to get this out of the way. I've said it before. It went way back to when we were doing donations for probably the first Rocket Pop. And I said, make sure when you leave your donation, you put RMCP next to your name so they know you donated for our show. And not the other shows. Because back then I was silly enough to think people were donating for other shows. Turns out we <laughs> raised all the fucking money. <laughs> but Eric mistook it and he changed his name on Facebook to Eric RMCP instead of putting it in the comment sections. And I laughed my ass off. But you just stuck with it. And now it's like you can't change it. It's got to stay that. Oh, yeah. I love, uh, I, I like it, it's, it's unique, uh, you know, er, everyone always asks me, though, like, what the, what the fuck does RMCP mean, like, when people are, you know, not within our group, like, this little army we got going, so, I, I like it, man, the best podcast ever, you know, I wouldn't be doing podcasting if it wasn't for you guys, uh, big inspiration to me. Hey, well, that's know. why we got you out here, because you speak the truth. <laughs> I don't, I, Ian, did you notice my name change on, uh, Facebook there? <laughs> Is it Ralph FCC? No, it's Ralph Vieira FFRP, the Freeform Rock Podcast. <laughs> I changed mine to Wad Fluid. Yeah, oh, shit. That's me. I still want to change but, the name of this podcast. I swear to God, I want to call it Pod I want to call this show Pod Fluid so bad. It, it really is the greatest podcast name ever. We'll bust a load on you every episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, before we get into anything else this week, uh, I have to address something major that happened. And it happened so fast, I think some people might not uh, either didn't realize it or didn't appreciate the severity of what happened. But we were taking down this week for probably about... 12 to 14 hours, uh, there was no more show on the internet. Um, Podbean received a second complaint 
uh, at least a second complaint that I was emailed about from a certain someone everybody knows. Hey, you know, don't even need to bring up his name. You know who did it. But he sent <laughs> the most, uh, what's, uh, I'm, I'm trying to look at, uh, think what's the politically correct term, uh, retarded, uh, <laughs> retarded letter to them, uh, saying that he was suing Podbean and we're getting sued and uh, all this stuff and suing for $500,000 and he's calling the IRS on us. Somebody at Podbean saw this, freaked out. We were yanked off. Uh, you couldn't get us on Podbean. You couldn't get us on iTunes. I heard some people say it was still up on Spotify, yet I don't know how. Um, but I want to thank all the listeners because I sent like multiple emails to Podbean going, "Hey, look, look, this is, you know, this is somebody trying to mess with the show. This is, you know, they're fraudulent charges. This is a bunch of BS." Uh, but in, in this day and age. You know, a company like Podbean, nobody wants to be tied to cyberbullying or anything like Everybody wants to be politically correct and all this stuff. And uh, they freaked out and pulled the plug on us. And I wrote them multiple emails, didn't get anything back. And I asked the great listeners of the show on the Facebook page, I said, hey, please, you know, write Podbean. Tell me, you, you know, that this guy has been a problem for years and, you know, it's baseless accusations, uh, telling me you want the show back. And, man, the fans wrote in like crazy. And we are now back up on Podbean. Uh, and it's just, it's amazing how you guys step up every time we need you. You're there. And I know it's a pain in the ass. Nobody wants to take time out of their day and write an email and stuff like that. But you guys did. And I even asked people, I'm like, please, you know, show me a copy of what you wrote. And, and I'd say 90% of the people who said they wrote, you know, they they put a screenshot of what they wrote. And they wrote some amazing stuff. And, uh, you know, it, it's just overwhelming how the audience really goes to bat for us every time we need them. Whether it's through donations or, you know, leaving iTunes reviews or Podbean reviews or something like this that literally... You know, I don't know if you would be hearing us this week if you guys wouldn't have done this, you know, in this kind of climate. You know, but that kind of shit talks volumes when you write in because they know you're the people that are downloading and using their app and doing all this. And you guys got us back on there. Well, that and I think they finally did read uh, <laughs> the complaint that he wrote that was full of grammar mistakes and misspells and, <laughs> and just crazy charges. Uh, <laughs> you know, saying the FCC is involved. Well, the FCC has nothing to do with podcasts, which even a lot of our listeners put screenshots or like FCC has nothing to do with podcasting. Uh, you know, and this was just somebody with Podbean overreacting. Uh, but I gotta say, after all you guys wrote back, I was a little mad at first that we were back up, but I never got a response. From Podbean, you know, it's like, you know, where's an apology? Where's like, okay, we read this, you know, we overreacted, you know, sorry, you guys are a, a big show with us, and you know, we've been on Podbean since the beginning in 2014. I didn't get anything. I'm like, what the fuck? You know, this is kind of shitty. Like, yeah, we're back up, but I'd like some kind of, you know, somebody talk to me. Not only did I get an email, I haven't, I haven't got a chance to talk to Ralph about this, I got a phone call 
um, from the powers that be at Podbean apologizing. Whoa, damn. Yes. Yes, apologizing, and uh, they, they said, and, and what I kind of suspected all along is, you know, it was an intern that saw this email and just, like, freaked out and overreacted and took uh, precautions faster than what they should have by taking us down. Uh, they, they apologized, and uh, they said, yeah, once we read, you know, the, the complaint, you could tell that, uh, first of all, it was fake. That it was, you know, they could tell from the email address that this person was pretending to be somebody they weren't. Uh, the allegations that they were putting was ridiculous, you know, about the lawsuits and you're going to pay for this and pay for that. And the best thing is, because this is the second time uh, that this individual has done this, now they are taking action against him. Really? All right. Yes, yes, yes. And uh, and there will be a countersuit. They are countersuing this individual for a large sum of money for filing false claims. And uh, you know, I was like, I was like, really? You can do that? And they're like, well, for that we can't file a lawsuit. But there's a little law that I didn't know about that they can get them for, and they're going after because they know that this is harassment. They are actually, uh, you know, they've dug deep in the shit. They are suing him because there is a law that you can only review the same Super Tramp album 20 times. <laughs> and and he's done it like 23 times. He, he's, he's, you know, re did a redo, redo. I want to do this for the 40th year, third week and five days, you know, of uh, Super Tramp. Yeah, and he's getting taken down and... Uh, you know, so yeah, he's gonna get sued. His dad's gonna get sued. Everybody's gonna get sued. Hoo-ah! Yeah, I, 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 <laughs> I seriously want want to thank everybody, and most importantly, uh, you know, this shows them, you know, that everybody knows what's going on. That you guys love this show. That you guys know this is harassment and bullshit claims. But really, uh, in the phone call, what appeared to be the capper, and I love this is more than one person uh, copied to that email the unedited YouTube video. Oh. That, yeah, yeah. yeah. With all the, 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 the racial shit, the anti-Semitic shit. Unedited. And, un- yeah, un- unedited, and they, they copied that on there. <laughs> the funny thing, uh. I went and looked on it to see if he was still on there, and, uh, and he has zero followers. Jesus. And then I, I went on uh, iTunes, and he has two listings for the same show, like under two different email addresses, but with the same, <laughs> uh, you know, the same episode, same show. And there was only one review that wasn't written by him. Uh, one positive review. I see some of our listeners left some negative reviews on him, but on each of his shows, he had like three to four different reviews that were him under a different name. There was one from Andrew Jacobs. So, you know, <laughs> so there was one <laughs> who praised him. But I was like, you know, just what a, uh, a very disturbed individual. And I hope he gets the help that he needs. Uh, you know, but, you know, I, I'm tired of giving him a lot of, of attention, but I don't think you're going to have to worry about it because, like I said, he's getting taken down from Podbean. Uh, 
I suspect it's not going to be too long before he's off of YouTube. And I hate this kind of cancel culture shit. I really do. But in his case, I mean, this guy is, you know, nothing but spewing hate and, and, and lies and just, you know, this is a mentally ill person that should not be, you know, not everybody should have a podcast. I, I said we should. <laughs> should be. And, uh, but again, the fans, man, the fans that stepped up and did all this, uh, and I really believe I'm, with all my heart that if it wasn't for what you guys did, uh, I don't think Poppy probably, it, it never would have went to that next level, you know, to where we're back on the airwaves. And uh, that's the sad thing. Even if we would have went somewhere else, this person could have done the same thing. And then you, you have the same problem because nobody wants to deal with it in this day and age. But now it's been shown there's a pattern. They know who this person is. So from now on, none of these other threats, you know, under the name or whatever, you know, they know who it is. And so everything's good with Podbean right now. And I want to thank them for, you know, calling me personally and uh, let me know. I thought that was a nice touch. When I when I was initially mad, I didn't get a, uh, you know, an email response. I, I did get a phone call. So I want to thank them for handling this and, and being professional and for having our back. But again, they never would have had it if it wasn't for you guys. So thank you. And Eric, I know you were one of those who sent it. Yeah. I was and, actually... And I, uh, go ahead. I was actually... Uh, ironically, when I saw the post, I was taking a dump. So I had uh, plenty of time to go and email Podbean. So it was actually convenient timing. I saw the post. But... Uh, yeah, it just it just it, it, it pissed me off because I looked and obviously yeah the the show was down you couldn't access any episodes at all and it was uh I mean it was kind of it was kind of scary because you know they in today's culture they take that shit pretty seriously and uh, I'm I'm kind of glad you know albino grimace can't uh can't fuck with uh this podcast anymore you know and he should you're right he shouldn't be doing a podcast you know anyone with a microphone can do a podcast but also you can jerk off anywhere where there's room for your dick but that's not an open invite to come jerk off to my bath towels so yeah this guy does not need a podcast yeah i I gotta say uh you know ian thanking all you people i i want to take it a step further i want to say thank you eric and thank you all our listeners for sticking with us after we unleashed this guy making podcasts. I mean, we're responsible for it. <laughs> and he still stuck by us. That's loyal shit, man. Hey, honestly, Ian, if I was on the outside, I'd be, fuck those guys. They, they <laughs> on this crap. And not only this one, but also, well, I'll stop there. <laughs> yeah, yeah and, uh, and one thing I would encourage people, and I, I did see that there were some people, because it did happen so fast, uh, you know, it seemed like a long time to Ralph and I because we're like, holy shit, you know, this mm-hmm. is something we we worked very hard for for a lot of years. And to see it taken away, you know, and we're like, oh, God, where do we go from here? What do we do now? But, uh, you know, some people are like, oh, uh, I, I just went on and I got it, so no big deal. Well, you didn't see what it was a very big deal. So I would encourage people, even though we were back on, even right Todd being... You know, just send an email saying thank you for reinstating Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. Because the more people send this, the more they see. I mean, they see the numbers, so they know we have a show that people listen to. But that stuff, you know, all it took was, you know, an email from him to get it taken down. But it took a lot more emails from you guys to get it put back up. So, you know, uh, it, it speaks in volumes. 
And when you do shit like this, it just reinforces that they don't want to mess with this show. You know, and a lot of people wrote, hey, this is the only reason I come to Podbean, that I use your app and I do all that. That That's what they really care about. Because <laughs> I don't think there's a lot of, you know, people in Podbean home uh, office that listen to our show. But they pay attention to the numbers and they pay attention to the emails that get written in. So, again, even though it's over now, write Pod, you know, if, if you don't want to take the time to write an iTunes review, just write Podbean and tell them thank you for reinstating us. And, you know, how much you love the Rock and Metal Combat podcast, you know, thanks to being able to listen to it on Podbean. There you go. And again, thank you all for sticking with us after we unleashed (laughs) the horror to all you other people as a solo artist. Hey, it's like Queensryche released a bunch of good albums, but they also released Silent Lucidity, you know, so. Oh, here we go with that. (laughs) This guy's got a heart on for that thing. Oh no, that song's a boner deflator. Silent Lucidity more than I hate 1979 from Smashing Pumpkin. <laughs> That's fucking brutal. Woo! That song is like Woo. the musical equivalent of your mom walking in on you, like having sex or jerking off. It's like you you can't get boner for like a week after that shit. Now, I know you're talking about 1979 on that one. <laughs> I, I do I hate that, that song too. That that goes that goes without saying. Ian don't like it either. That's how bad it is. <laughs> horrible in 1979 like you know i wasn't alive but it, it seemed like a pretty great no, no, year no. Hey, hey let me tell you something what makes me, the song is the worst song i ever heard in my life and then you name it after one of the greatest years ever exactly oh fuck you uh, no i hate Silent city i don't mind 1979 all right uh, all right uh again, <laughs> I, I have i have to apologize again to the audience for not only <laughs> Not only unleashing the worst fucking show ever on YouTube, on video, audio, broadcast, we're, we're apologize, but Ian also liked the worst song ever. I- <laughs> oh, you want to talk about something from the show that went viral, though? Holy shit. You know how you were saying that uh, Mark Adam Taylor was uh, saying he agrees more with me than you? Yeah, you know, and I was like, "Oh God, don't let this get on social yeah, media." That's it. That shit was. <laughs> that was. Well, hard. I care about you, Ian, and I thought that was a jacket. <laughs> well, here's something he did that's amazing. Uh, so somebody put a post on our uh, Facebook page, and it was making fun of Metallica's Lowdown. And you know, you had a lot of people writing in, "Oh yeah, I fucking you know, I I hate that you know new metal alternative Metallica." Yeah, a lot of people defending it. Well, one person who went to bat for it was Mark Alden Taylor. He says, sue me, I love it. Well, now, <laughs> that got back to Metallica. Finally, they will no longer play songs off a of load live. Oh, man. Oh, that, all right. Yeah, yeah, because they don't want to be associated with Mark Alden Taylor. <laughs> uh, <laughs> they, they, they took load and reload off of Spotify. Uh, <laughs> But no, yet, so, hey, thanks. Yeah, thanks to Metallica. Hey, look, man, fuck it. He did something good. Other than bashing you by saying he agrees with you. You know, he got, <laughs> he got, the, he got the loads off, off the internet. So, thanks. And Mark, <laughs> goddamn, he loves he loves when we mention him, man. Loves it. Yeah. You know, he thinks it's going to, you know, bring listeners or something. He's, he's a fun dude. <laughs> yeah. Check out the Freeform Rock Podcast. Yeah, Freeform Podcast. podcast. My new name on yeah. FFRP Power. <laughs> FFRP Army. But see, you know, he's smart. You know, 
You can only listen to though. Not get crazy here. Well, uh, no, but the Freeform Rock podcast, you can only listen to on MySpace. You know, nothing's getting taken off of MySpace. Nobody watches that shit, you know, so he can say whatever he wants, you know. Nobody knows. Yeah, it's so hard to maneuver it's so hard to maneuver getting on his show. But the bad thing is, you know, Lee Gertzman said, he, he said, ever since I've been doing a show with uh, with Mark, I, you know, I, I, I can't even get a job. Nobody will hire me. <laughs> so there's there, repercussions. Lee said the funniest shit about me on uh, on uh, the free form. He said, well, Mark was saying, oh, you know, I walked out of the theater for Dr. Sleep. Him and his wife couldn't take the, you know, the scene of little kids getting killed. And he's like, I really do want to see it because Dr. Fuck recommended it. And, you know, Lee lost his mind. Don't listen to him. This is, this, <laughs> I, I swear I'm not making this shit up. He goes, don't listen to him. Watch something like the TV show Saved by the Bell. <laughs> I'm not lying. He actually said that. Uh, I believe it. Lee rules. Fucking A, he does. And another thing, uh, I know Ian just said he likes 1979. Well, I also want to apologize to the people out there because you know there's going to be Weisenheimers that listen to us saying, I like 1979 too. So I want to apologize to the rest of you for being part of a, a group that likes 1979. <laughs> you are forgiven. Viva All right. Infinity. <laughs> hey, if you well, like 1979, like you can get front row parking at any grocery store. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, now it's time to get into the news. Do we got a news theme song this week, Ralph? Yes, here it goes. Ready? It's time for the news that's not regulated by the FCC. Damn <laughs> straight. All right. Ex-Iron Maiden singer Paul Diano explains why he once compared Steve Harris to Hitler. Uh, there's a famous quote where he compared uh, Steve Harris to Hitler, but Paul Diano said it was taken out of context. He says he was actually talking about an early episode of the Rock and Metal Combat podcast that Terrence was on oh. and compared Terrence <laughs> to Hitler I due to his beat, anti-Semitic views. I got to beat that out, you know. The name. We just call, okay. call him an albino grimace. Yeah, that, that's a pain in the ass, that little bee thing. Hey, you don't know what See? goes... Hey, 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 Eric. Have you yeah. had a sense of your show? You throw a little... I never throw out beeps. Oh, I just let shit you, happen. Yeah, <laughs> me, your editing's easy, bro. Well, I haven't had Ian on the show yet, though, so... This, <laughs> show, this show has had many beeps. Oh, I remember the Guns N' <laughs> Roses one broke the record. Oh, yeah, when, <laughs> with the girl that wants a lick... I see, I have to put another beep. beep. <laughs> uh, what's that? Uh, and that doesn't even deserve a beep. I mean, that's the most anti-racist thing ever. I want a girl that licks ass. I knew, dude, I dated an Indian chick who was a freak, and she said her fantasy was to be locked in a closet with, like, five dudes getting just railed in every hole. Well, damn, Eric, now i got to throw more beeps here. <laughs> Oh, all right. Well, here, here's a band we talked about recently, uh, Children of Boredom. Oh, uh, their members, they're officially la uh, launching a bar and band museum. 
and uh, apparently it's at a glory hole in Finland. So when you go to the bathroom, you can visit it. Damn, oh, man. Come on, bro. The guy died. <laughs> oh, wait, I forgot. I'm talking about Ian. <laughs> My bad. Hey, hey, I bet it's in France, right? <laughs> oh, those fucks. Oh, Jesus. Oh, God. Speaking of pieces of shit, Eric <laughs> Martin believes there are big things coming from Mr. Big. All right, wait, 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 wait. Let's back up a second here. <laughs> okay. We both we are we both are aware that of each other that we do not we're not fans of Eric Martin. But really, you have to call that? I mean, come on, man. That that's a title for like what the fuck has Eric Martin ever done? He went up there and sang his pussy ass off. He didn't bother none of us. <laughs> he doesn't play. You know that that's reserved for Sammy Hagar in that in those lights. You know, Snicky Six. What do you call well, him? He... A cocksucker? <laughs> <laughs> What did you call Eric Martin now? I forgot what it was. Piece of shit. Piece of shit. What the fuck does that guy do? He's not a piece of shit, dude. Well, wait, okay. I implore everybody to go on there. Uh, go on Blabbermouth. And uh, it's as of November 12th. And look at look at the story headline. Eric Martin believes there are big things coming from Mr. Big. And then you look at the picture Eric Martin. Okay. He's obviously trying to look like every lesbian you've ever seen in your life, <laughs> you, you know. And it, it's, you know he's appropriating their culture, man. That ain't cool. You can't do that, you know. All it's right, just, yeah, yeah. All right, I, I take it back, Ian. He is a piece of shit. I, yeah, I remember yeah. the first. I remember the first time I saw a Mr. Big video. I think it was like the To Be With You or Addicted to That Rush, and I'm like, who the fuck's this like 12 year old looking like lesbian? Yeah, he looks, yeah, it, he still looks young. You know, it's it's like you know, it's like going out blackface. He's got fish face. You know, <laughs> it's yeah. terrible. Poor Eric <laughs> and, and, Martin, man. <laughs> come on, let Mr. Big die. That, that, that's an embarrassment to both Billy Sheehan and Paul Gilbert, man. Let that shit die. No, it's, don't want it's, big. it's big in Japan, dude. That shit plays like the Budokan shit. Let yeah, that, you know, come on, man. None against Chinese. It's not like they're big in France. Oh, yeah, but you know who's you know who's big in Japan? A guy who's five six. Okay, it don't, it don't take a lot. You know, you know, you know who's also big in Japan? Me, what I'm carrying in my fucking pants, bro. My penis yeah. is big in Japan, and it's not even big. But I love the Japanese. See, see, there's there's much more reasons to have this show banned than just picking on one guy. <laughs> yeah, let's take on three. Yeah, we're an equal opportunity offender. No, but well, hey, hey, man, I'm not bad. Hey, so I, they have little dicks. Hey, wh why make fun of that? That's bad enough as it is. You know what I'm saying? They make me yeah. feel good with my little pecker. <laughs> I feel oh, like one shit. of them. You know, I don't feel intimidated when I go to Japan. <laughs> no, but I, uh, you know what? I wasn't kidding. Uh, I was just kidding about calling Eric... Uh, uh, piece of shit. So on behalf, not on behalf of Ian, but on behalf of the show in general, I want to apologize for Ian calling Eric a piece of shit. I also want to apologize for that show that was spawned from this show. And I want <laughs> I also want to apologize for Ian, like in 1979. And I also want to apologize for the listeners that like 1979. <laughs> You're making other listeners look bad. So I want to apologize to all you people. I'm full of apologies today. 
But I'm not one. I'm not apologizing to that one that wrote the letter. Have you noticed that one? Have you guys caught on? <laughs> yeah. Oh well, well, here to show we do have a heart. Here's a very, very sad story that was just posted today. Uh, Sticks guitarist James J Y Young mourns the death of his wife of 50 years, Susan Young. Uh, years, man, that's incredible. That's like yeah. Dennis Young. Dennis Young. Well. I saw Dennis DeYoung beyond, before the pandemic, right before it, and they were celebrating the 50th year anniversary, him and his wife, so they're going on 54 years. Hey, you gotta give these sticks, you know, these sticks guys some credit. They stick around with their chicks. That's yeah, true. they do. Uh, very sad. Apparently, she had had um, a stroke a few years back, so kind of, you know, was probably living on borrowed time as it was. I believe she was partially paralyzed so probably now at least she's not suffering but still you know you're with somebody for 50 years um very I gotta, sad I, I gotta tell you ian when you said you know she was living on borrowed time i can tell you're not a sticks fan because you would have said no pun intended because they have a song called borrowed time yeah like, i give a shit uh <laughs> anyway uh but uh you know and a lot of people sent out you know uh you know, tweets and everything, you know, giving their their respects to, to JY. Uh, and then Dennis DeYoung sent one back and he said, uh, hey, I know it's a terrible time to ask, but can I come back now? Oh. <laughs> you probably did reach out to JY. Uh, well, I won't get... I, the way it looks in the media, through the media, like, JY is kind of like the prick. Yeah, would not let this guy back in. And, you know, Tommy Shaw is kind of following suit. You watch the Behind the Music, it's like, Dennis Young said, guys, look, we got to postpone a tour because I went to the doctor and my problem is I'm light sensitive and, you know, that cures itself. And he's kind of like, well, I'm not a doctor, you know, but, you know, yeah, he's 50 years. And I love JY. Don't get me wrong. Eddie, what a killer song. Midnight Ride. That He's the heavy dude in Sticks. He, he always brought those yeah. songs. Miss America. Oh, Miss America's my favorite. Yeah, man. I mean, fucking half penny, two penny. I can keep going on and on. He rips. JY's awesome, man. But yeah, I'm, and I don't, I don't know if he's the biggest prick though, because uh, you know, in the tweet where Dennis DeYoung was asking to come back to the band, uh, he also put a picture of uh, you know JY and his wife, and he put a, a link to the video for Best of Times. Oh, that, that's not cool. Oh yeah, man, that's fucked up. Okay. Yeah. I take it back. You're not a Sticks fan, and you're not a fan of Jody Grind. <laughs> <laughs> True story. True story. But next story. Judas Priest manager explains why Richie Faulkner wasn't inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Apparently, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame said, I thought we didn't duck KK. Oh. 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 Wow. How many years? Ow. How many years has Richie Faulkner been in Priest? I think long enough to be uh, inducted. You have to be twenty-five years. Oh shit! No, 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 no. What to get inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? It has to be twenty-five years since the release of your debut album. Okay, that's like the mandatory. And then when it comes into members that get inducted this is where it gets fucked up this is where they can pull out all these different uh 
you know, exceptions. And if you notice, it depends on the band. Certain bands, they'll induct, if you were in that band for two minutes, you get in. A prime example was uh, Parliament Funkadelic. When they got in, I think there was like 30 or 40 members inducted. But of course, being politically correct, if it's a black band, you know, they're not going to exclude anybody because then they're seen as racist. But Judas Priest is notoriously white, so they can do whatever they want. <laughs> and, and what they said is um, that he didn't play on any albums of significance. That they were basing... Uh, it, it's kind of even what their excuse is kind of fucked up because they were trying to base it on people who were in around the time of British Steel and Screaming for Vengeance, which, well, Les Binks wasn't on those. But I guess, considering he was on Unleashed in the East, they grandfathered him in as well. But then again, neither was Scott Travis, but Scott Travis has been with Judas Priest since 1990. Uh, so it's basically, they pick and choose. I think they just looked at numbers, you know, like, oh, how long has he been in? Uh, well, nobody bought those albums, so we're not inducting. All right, well, I'd like to apologize again to the audience for Ian knowing so much about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. <laughs> yeah, I, we're very I, sorry. I like Richie Faulkner. I mean, I really could give a... I, I could give two shits about the damn Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I, I like Richie Faulkner, man. I mean, if there's a legit Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, he would deserve it, because I think he really uh, he helped Jesus Priest. He injected some youth into the band. Well, I'd love CKK back. I mean, I think having like that young gun in the band really injected some youth. I think that's something Iron Maiden could use if maybe they ditched one of their guitarists, one of their fucking 20 fucking guitarists they got in the band and brought on a young guy who could inject some like balls back into that fucking band. I feel like, you know, it, it could help them. Because Iron Maiden to me sounds like they're on fucking a bunch of old guys on autopilot riding in the fucking fast lane blocking up traffic. Whereas Judas Priest, they got that young guy in there that's like you know, he breathed new life into them because Firepower to me is a fucking killer album. Well, well I gotta say that, uh, you know, Young Gun injecting his balls into Judas Priest is uh, something <laughs> cool that the singer would like. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the other thing that's gonna save uh, Iron Maiden at this point, you gotta get rid of Steve Harris and you gotta get rid of uh, uh, Bruce Dickinson. I say you get Paul Diano and Bobby Dahl in there, maybe you'll start getting some classics out again. <laughs> Bobby Dahl, you gotta get man. Rid of motherfucker can and you got to get rid of Kevin face. Shirley. That's what I, I'd like to go see Iron Maiden with Paul Diano singing and Bobby Dahl doing the Pink Panther bass. <laughs> yeah. i like to see... That would be a more entertaining show. i like to see the Who do Quadrophenia with Bobby Dahl. Ooh. Yeah, I want to hear him do the real me, those, bass, those tasty bass lines from Entwistle. <laughs> yeah, fuck, fuck, fuck the ox. We want to hear the Pink Panther. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit. All right. Well, next story, uh, Ralph. You're gonna have a lot of interesting stuff to say about this. I hope uh, because they're talking about a pro shot of Metallica performing Blitzkrieg at, in at the Hollywood, Florida concert that you saw that honored Johnny and Marsha Z and in which Metallica only played songs off the first two albums. So oh. you, you got to go to this thing that was a, definitely a hot ticket. Tell us all about it. 
Well, um, I gotta say, man, I mean, even after the show, my my throat still hurt from throat fucking the guy that got me a free ticket. <laughs> Let me tell you, man, uh, they also released a pro shot of Phantom Lord. So, uh, yeah, man, everything went smooth. Man, that place was packed. I mean, sold out, no doubt. And uh, Raven was fucking amazing. And Lars and James came out and introduced uh, Raven. And uh, they they fucking ruled it, man. They came out with Take Control and then did a Hell Patrol. And a couple new ones that smoke, because that last album smoked. Amazing. Uh, yeah, they did a... They ended with chains, uh, Chainsaw. Man, it was just... And, and what was really cool, there was this, like, drunk woman next to me. Uh, and she was like, they were so good. Are you a fan of theirs? I was like, I love Raven. She's like, what album should I get? You know, that was... <laughs> and then the other guy sitting on the other side of me flew in from New Jersey. And uh, he never heard of Raven. You know, because we were talking before the show. And I go, hey, man, Raven. You know, you know, I never heard Raven. I go, check this out, dude. And yeah, after the show, I saw him during the show, like headbanging, and then like between songs, like, damn, you're right, man. I mean, they were fucking going over really good. So uh, what was really cool about this Metallica show was I was I was thinking, well, Metallica doesn't play less than two and a half hours. So they're going to have to throw out every song off the first two albums plus the two B-sides, which wasn't the case because what they did was they would play about four songs and they would play like they would show like five minutes of Marsha and Johnny talking, and Marsha and Johnny talking about the early days. You know, they would have pictures of the early days with them and stuff like that. So, uh, but you know, in retrospect, the three one one out of three songs I've never seen them play live, and I never will see them play it live because they hate it. Is Escape, and I oh, they played Escape. I love Escape. Oh, I was hoping yeah. they play Escape, but they hate it. You know, they've only played it once, and James hated playing it live. So I went to that show hoping but thinking, if there's any, I mean, I don't know how they're going to fill the show without playing Escape. <clears throat> they didn't play Escape. They played the. They didn't play Four Horsemen. I've seen them play that. And they didn't play Jump in the Fire, which is another song I've, I've seen them play. But, man, I've never seen them play Trapped Under Ice. or uh, what I have seen them do Motor Breath, but they open up with which Whiplash right into motor breath and they did uh you name it man whiplash and uh they opened creeping death and they did uh call of cthulhu which they uh dedicated to cliff um fight fire with fire ride the lightning for whom the bell tolls which you know yes it's a must to play but boy put escape instead of that one because i've seen them play that every damn show <clears throat> Fate to Black, which we, which they didn't do it acoustically like they usually do live now. Uh, and what else is after that? Fate to Black, uh, Trapped Under Ice, Creeping Death, Call of Cthulhu. They did Blitzkrieg, and they did the full version of Am I Evil? Because, you know, when they play Am I Evil, they always stop right before it gets fast. It's always part of a medley. Well, they did it the whole thing. Ooh. And Metal Militia. Dude, it was fucking awesome dude it was such a radical fucking show that i was like dude there's no way i mean I, now it's like i don't have to see metallica no more i really don't how the fuck are they gonna top that show <laughs> that show was fucking phenomenal i mean 
everybody freaked out how, you know, every time they would start like a, a rare one, you know, the place would erupt. And uh, yeah, I already pre-ordered the CD. Metallica's releasing it on CD um, in December or something. So I already pre-ordered it, man. So it was a phenomenal fucking show. Uh, you go ahead. I got to tell you, I mean, um, the one lame thing was uh, by the time I got in, they didn't make enough. They had this special shirt that had, uh, which I took you there, Ian, that, you know, that guitar hotel? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they were selling that a shirt with Metallica on it. Now, that's another thing. That guitar hotel had the Metallica logo on it all day. And then at nighttime, it was shiny because, you know, when that when Eddie Van Halen died, they put stripes on the guitar. They can do all this crazy shit. But I did get the other two rare shirts that did sell out by the time Raven was over. I bought a shirt that has Metallica with Johnny Z, the original Metallica. It's a classic shot. And uh, and on the back it said, you know, dedicated to John and Marsha. And then uh, another shirt I got, which is a real cool, it looks like the Jump at the Fire Devil, but looking forward. And on the back it had the All for One, uh, Kill Them All for One tour on the back. Like how the original shirt was, so I did end up nice. getting two rare track, two rare, rare shirts that night. And holy crap, man! I can't believe I saw it because, dude, when I got up bright and early, and I went on Ticketmaster, and the nosebleeds were like eight hundred bucks, like close to a thousand with all the fees. And uh, I was like, oh fuck this! I don't know. I don't give a fuck if Cliff Burton's on stage. I ain't paying a thousand bucks for this. And uh, then I ended up getting a free ticket that wasn't nosebleeds. I was on the second level. It's fucking awesome. So yeah, that's my review of uh, the Metallica Raven show, the John Zazula tribute with Marsha. It was, and they brought out uh, Marsha's kids and John and Marsha's kids. And I don't know if he was telling the truth or not, but Robert Torrio said on the mic at the end of the show, was like, this was the most fun I've ever had on stage. So. Oh, man, I, I envy you, Ralph, because, man, that's, you know, I, I love to see Metallica live, but, you know, they're a bigger band that, you know, they charge big money for, for their shows. And it's kind of a ratio thing where it's like, I, I'm not going to pay this much money to see Metallica when they're going to play, like, when half the show is, like, songs I'm going to fucking hate or want to take a piss during. Whereas this show, man, it's like the songs they play because... I'm all about kill them all and ride the lightning. I love Master of Puppets, but it's, for me, it's all about ride the lightning and uh, and kill them all. So, man, that's just a dream set list. And Raven opening, just oh, what a killer show. And man, what I don't know what the fuck the deal is with James Hetfield. He's he's embarrassed to play uh, Escape, but then you'll play fucking Fuel every fucking tour. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah, um, but yeah. Uh, what can you say? I mean, yeah, they, yeah, you know what really got me was like all these people, and you know, if anybody agrees with it, then fuck you too. I'm talking to both of you, actually. <laughs> okay. All these okay, people, bye. Like, all these people are like, oh, it should have been played in New Jersey. It should have been played in California. It should have been played here. L- listen here, you fucks. <laughs> South, South Florida gets fucked with major tours. You guys get all the fucking tours. You fucking crybaby. <laughs> you take it for granted, bunch of fucking Karens. We never, ever get a one-of-a-kind show down here. And we did, so fuck you. I mean, you guys, yeah, New Jersey, nah, fuck, fuck 
Fuck New Jersey, man. You guys get, I envy you fucks. You want to trade? Huh? You want to trade and not get any more tours come to your place and you can have Metallica play the first two albums and then go back to getting no more tours, motherfucker? You know? Fucking, fucking spoiled bitches. <laughs> That's my commentary. Right on. Yeah, because I feel exactly like, uh, you know, well, I'm sure you do too, Ralph, but like uh, how Eric feels. I, I love old Metallica, but to go see him now and with the set list that they play, I'm, I'm just not spending the money to go see that. And you just saw a, a dream show, I think, for for real Metallica fans. Not to mention, you know. too, I mean, if Metallica tickets were cheaper, you know, I would go see them. It, it, it's a ratio thing. It's like they're paying, if you're charging this much money for tickets, it's like you got to play like a, I need to see a set list I'm going to see her. It's just, I, I ain't going to waste the money. Like if you're if you're a band yeah. playing a place where there's like thirty dollar general admission tickets and you're playing kind of an eh, set list, you know I'll still go see because it's like well hey it's thirty bucks for general admission, but it, it's a ratio thing with me. Yeah, I'm just a, a grouchy old man. I, I could care less about the money. Oh, I'm, I'm more a about old like man I'm not too. gonna waste. I, I'm I'm not gonna waste my time. <laughs> you know I'm not gonna <laughs> leave the house. You know for, for for five songs that I like. You know. Exactly. No, I'm not. I'm not going to deal with the parking and all this shit, you know, for five fucking songs. Shit, I'd pay top dollar to see the kind of show Ralph just saw, and oh, I yeah. wouldn't complain about it either. I'd, I'd be like, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll pay that to hear music I want to hear. But uh, yeah, I'm not going to leave the house to go hear shit off a of fucking load. And recently, they've been trying to, you know, it seems like there's a push to legitimize saying anger, oh, which man, just that. let that shit sail. Oh god. That's an hour that's like well, a fucking more... hour and a half of my life I still want back listening to that shitty album. Ugh. Well on to another sad story, even sadder than Saint Anger. Hawkwind's Nick Turner passed away at eighty two. Well god damn. They're they're dropping like flies. And uh I'm I'm a pretty pretty big Hawkwind fan, at least of seven I'm very much more familiar with 70s Hawkwind than uh, the 80s. And if I remember correctly, Ralph, you're not too big into Hawkwind, are you? Or are you? No, no, but I don't dislike them. I'm casual. You know, I like some of the uh, some of their songs, and that's where the song Motorhead came from, from one of their B-sides. You know, Lemmy right. was the band, and uh, no, I mean, uh, what was that one song they had, man? That big hit one? It was pretty trippy, man, with the chick on the stage, that video. Good stuff, man. Yeah, it's stoner, yeah. stoner shit. You know, it's it's all, yeah. it, it's all right. It's not bad, but no, I don't own any of it. There's a gazillion bands that I've heard. I'm like, yeah, it's not bad, and I won't buy it. You know, but uh, yeah, but well, I, go ahead. I was just gonna say, I I'm big into like drug rock and stoner rock. Anything that sounds, you know, better or elevated with drugs, you know, I'm all about. You know, but, you know, drugs ain't going to help St. Anger. <laughs> you know, there's not enough drugs for that. But I, I love, like, drugged out space rock, like psychedelic rock and shit like that. And, uh, you know, uh, Nick was a big part of those those early records. And uh, sad to see him go. But, you know, same token, 82, man. You can't bitch about 82. That's a good life. Definitely. Yeah. Yep. And I... I... And, uh, yeah, and uh, you were probably going to mention this. Dan McCafferty, man. Oh, my God. Yeah. That really hurt me, man, because I love Nashville. Yeah. And it was my 
I don't know. I'm a little fucked up with timeline. It was either my first or second arena show. It was Nazareth uh, headlining in 1980. It was either that or Ted Nugent with the Scorpions. I can't remember. But anyway, um, the first show I ever saw Pyro. Was, and that guy's voice, man, was... I remember, you know, the, the they have an album called Hot Tracks, which is kind of like a compilation, greatest hits type thing. And I, I believe it was either that or Hair of the Dog, but I think it was Hot Tracks I bought first. And because I like the song um, Hair of the Dog. And when I put that album on, I heard stuff like Razzmatazz and, and uh, Born to Love and shit like that. I'm like, dude, at that time in the 70s, nobody had a heavier voice. That guy had a heavier, heavy, gritty voice. Listen to Miss Misery or uh, Changing Times, Beggar's Day. The guy was fucking awesome, man. Fucking awesome. When we just lost Manny Charlton, you know? So, yeah, that one, that, that one hit me, man. I was like, oh, man, damn McCafferty, bro. That shit sucks. And I do have a funny Nazareth story, which was... I saw him in 1980, but I never saw him again. And then in 1993 or four, they played this club called the Button South. And we went there and they canceled. You know, we got to the door, he canceled. So we went in for some drinks and who's there drinking? Nazareth. (laughs) (laughs) They were getting drunk and they canceled the show. So that was a bummer. But yeah, rest of Sam McCafferty, that, that hurt. And you know, our good friend, Robert Lawson, who wrote the cheap trip? Yeah. He also wrote the Nazareth book, which I have, Razam and Naz. And um, he he met not even a year ago. He met Dan McCafferty. He took a picture with Dan and his wife, uh, when Robert's wife together, like they looked like they were having dinner. And uh, yeah, Martin Popoff said something really nice about him. He was a really nice guy to talk to and stuff. And sad man, sad because Dan McCafferty was. Definitely one of the voices that I really looked up to when I was a little, little kid and throughout my life because I always crank Nazareth. And I want to thank Joseph Staub, who sent me a lot of Nazareth CDs um, that I got into, like Loud and Proud. And uh, it's just a bunch of them that I've never heard before. I've only owned like three or four. And yeah, he's hooked me up a lot. Of, playing the game is a great one. So uh, yeah, Dan McCafferty, what a shame. Rest in peace. Yeah, and it's hard, too, because it's somebody who deserves a lot more attention than he, you know, his, his passing and the band in general. They're one of those bands, at least I would say in the States, they're almost like a Thin Lizzy, where most people, if you've heard of them, you know, they know, like, people know Thin Lizzy. Oh, yeah, Boys Are Back in Town. I know that song, you know. With Nazareth, like, yeah, I know Hair of the Dog. And most people probably couldn't even tell you that was the name of the song. You know, they're like, oh, yeah, now you're messing with the son of a bitch. Yeah. Or they know Love Hurt. You know, they know Love Hurts. Uh, but they had a lot of great songs. A lot of, I mean, I love um, the song. I don't think it was on, I think it was a B-side. Uh, but it was on the heavy metal soundtrack. They got a song called Crazy. Oh, that's a good one. Oh, man, is that a good song. And I think I'm, because I was trying to find, I'm like, what album is this on? I got to hear it. I think and it was only on Heavy found, Metal. Yeah, it, well, it was released as, as a B-side, and it, it's one of the albums that came out in the, I think it was recorded like a year or so before Heavy Metal came out. 
Okay. And if you get that album, it's on like the bonus tracks because it was a B-side to one of their singles from that album. But yeah, that's an amazing track. And and just, yeah, an, an incredible voice that, that's taken for granted. And again, it's just how, you know, especially here in the States, a lot of people only know what they're spoon-fed on the radio. You know, because that's all the radio would play is those two songs from Nazareth. That's all you would fucking hear. Love Hurts and Hair of the Dog. Um, but the band had a lot more to offer and uh, yeah it, it's unfortunate I won't get a lot more press but I am sure it's a much bigger deal over in Europe and people are giving him the respect that he's due great singer even though he, you know he retired from Nazareth uh, I want to say it's been about seven years ago or so <clears throat> um, yeah he, uh, he, he, he he suffers from this certain <coughs> this illness that you know he he still could sing you know he ain't like you know steve walsh who i respect like crazy from kansas who couldn't sing no more so he stepped down you know paul stanley you know? oh god that guy needs to hang it up yeah you know all these don doc and all these people it's like you know i don't want to go up on stage and embarrass myself but dan was different dan had this illness that he couldn't travel so he gave his blessing you know exactly I can't do it no more. Get another singer. No. no, and I like that. And I even saw a statement that he made where he said, you know, Nazareth is bigger than him. And he wanted the guys to go on and he showed, you know, support for the new singer. And he's like, I wish him nothing but the best. You know, I want Nazareth to carry on, you know, and, and that's that's a real man right there. Oh, yeah. You know, that, 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 you know put his ego in check, uh, admitted when he couldn't do it and, and you know, didn't say, oh, you can't do it without me. I'm this, I'm that. Just like, hey, guys, go go, go have fun. Go do it without me. Uh, yeah, nothing but respect for that. Steve Walsh the same way, but he just lost his voice, which I think, right. is, you know, I mean, Dan couldn't help it, you know, it's because of his health. Where Steve Walsh right. is a very fit person. He could have continued touring and being Paul Stanley all over that fucking stage <laughs> you know, and get that paycheck, but... He gave the blessing, and they got a badass singer who I'm going to see next month again. This is going to be my... I've never seen Kansas, dude, believe it or not, with uh, Steve Walsh. And I've been such a fan. Very first time I ever bought. But I've seen him three times already with this new singer who's just phenomenal. And uh, they're playing some park I've never been to in Pompano with Lou Graham from Foreigner, which I really don't care about. I don't hate Foreigner. Actually, oddly enough, I own the first Foreigner album. But boy, do I never put those on, you know? And, uh, but fuck it. I saw Foreigner once. They fucking sucked on the Foreigner 4 tour. And fuck it. I may show up a little early so uh, I can see Lou Graham. I just, I, I hope I don't get caught in, uh, I hope I don't take too long at the food trunks because it's probably one of those food truck shows. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I saw, like, you know, this fake Foreigner that's going out now. I, I thought it was incredible. I mean, that dude, that Kelly Hansen guy. Oh, I love uh, he, that guy. He's amazing. He, he he can sing his ass off. You know, it it just keeps pissing me off that you you'll never see a hurricane reunion until Foreigner stops touring. But uh, <laughs> no, I, I thought it was kick ass. But uh, Kansas, they still have that hillbilly Jim motherfucker with the eye patch. Is he yeah. still in the band? Yeah. <laughs> oh. Only two members left: him, Rich Williams, and uh, Phil Ehart, the drummer. Okay, okay. Well, well, I'll I'll go to the rest area with you, and see this concert. No, no, uh, I'm just going for Lou Graham. But you know, I'll be back after Kansas, bro. To hang out. <laughs> uh, 
Another sad story. Uh, Mad Sorum is still not back in Guns N' Roses. What's that? But, uh, <laughs> well, oh, it, it's sad. sad for Matt. It's, it's sad for Matt Sorum. <laughs> hey man, you can call whatever you want, Eric Martin, but this guy's a piece of shit. <laughs> oh my the god! Human drum machine. Uh, I fucking hate Matt Sorum. You know, you know what's funny is uh, I, I don't know. I, I begin to think I'm just a hoarder because you know I have what is it over thirty thousand albums, so many that I'll probably never get to in my lifetime. And I just, from Mr. X, I got this new uh, deluxe version of Use Your Illusions 1 and 2. That's I'm, a... never gonna... what is I'm never going to... I'm never going to listen to that shit. It's pointless. <laughs> it's just live shit with the album. I'll tell you what, yeah. I don't need to ever see fucking... One, I don't ever need to hear, like, fucking Use Your Illusion ever again, but I also don't need to see fucking any more footage from that damn tour. That shit's so overplayed and whatnot. It, get, give me some live footage from uh, from Appetite for Destruction era. That's some shit I'll watch, but use your illusion era. It's like, that yeah. shit's so overplayed and whatnot that I don't ever need to see more live footage from that. Yeah, I'm just lucky when I saw the Use Your Illusions tour, I saw the second show of the tour before the albums even came out uh, at Alpine Valley, Wisconsin, and uh, got to see him with, you know, the only man that matters is he Stradlin. So I never got to see that hipster Gilby Clark shit. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it, it's bad enough I had to listen to Matt Sorum drumming and not Steven Adler. Ralph, you're the lucky one. You got to see him, like, in, in my opinion, probably what was their true prime was even before Appetite, you know? Yeah, you know. So you got, you, you, I don't, you got I don't, to see raw-ass Guns N' Roses. Yeah, and I, I don't, you know, of course, I didn't know the songs then. All I remember them playing um, uh, Mama Ken from. Yeah. Uh, that's all I remember about that night, but you know, I don't remember the other songs. So, about a year ago, I got curious and went on that FM.com to see the set list of that night. And uh, it said on the FM that was the first night they played Paradise City. So, I oh, saw right. history without remembering it, you know? I used to. I used to have this book, and I think I think I gave it to my friend Nick Mills because he's a huge Guns N' Roses fan. And Nick Mills, dude, Nick Mills, Nick Mills, or as we yeah. call him, Dick Pills. Oh, oh yeah, dude, that guy's a piece of shit. Oh, <laughs> wait, wait, are we talking about Mr. Big again? <laughs> <laughs> but no, I gave him that. I had this cool Guns N' Roses book. Um, they sold it at Guitar Center. I forget what the fuck it was called, but it literally documents every fucking show they did from their club days up until they got signed. It was like by a guy that he was friends with Slash and he documented, took all these pictures and whatnot of their shows when they first started out. And it has every set list from the club days, like literally goes up to right before they are like signed. And it, it's a pretty cool book, but I gave it to him because he's a bigger Guns N' Roses fan than I am. And I was moving at the time just... There's a lot of shit I couldn't take with me, so I gave it to him. But, yeah, it, that set list is probably in there. Uh, it's probably mentioned in there, because I remember they mentioned each time like a certain song was like played for the first time. Uh, I got asked, too, they played Jumping Jack Flash, because that was a regular staple that they I did. Believe, I believe that was on that set list. I just saw it like a year ago. I did. Yeah. And what was on there that was lame... Don't cry. They played Don't Cry. Yeah, that was a big song during the club days. That was one of their regulars, and they oh, 
I don't remember off of appetite for good reason probably. There's two things I remember about that night was um, Mama Ken and also I was with my friend Henry who bumped into one of his friends that was hanging out with a guy that had this like this trench coat on uh-huh. and and Henry put out his hand to shake his hand and then his friend said he don't shake hands. See, I remember those two things at that show. <laughs> Oh man! And I saw. I right. also want to say I saw Appetite for Destruction open the Girls 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 tour. White, we didn't get White Snake. Oh, oh God! I'm sorry, sorry, I'd see Girls 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 tour. No, but 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 it was Appetite for Destruction, and Welcome to the Jungle wasn't big yet. You know, you know, it took like a year for that shit to take off. That's oh, what yeah. I hear. I hear it take it took you know there's a lot of revisionist history, but I hear that album took a while to like kind of take so, off, much like so, Hysteria and other albums. Hysteria and Back in Black, yeah, that sold over 10 million albums, took about a year for it to start selling really big. I, I well, believe it. Uh, next story, Ralph. Have you seen Wasp yet, or is that an upcoming show for you? Two weeks from as we're recording this. Two weeks on the 26th, I believe. Two Saturdays from now. December 1st for me. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, just, you know, funny shit coming out. Like all these uh, articles on Wasp now. You know, they're getting a lot of press now with this tour. Uh, and you guys saw the uh, Dallas show that got shut down. Yeah. Because oh. it was oversold. And I, I got to say, you know, I, I'm wondering... Did it have that much to do with Wasp, or is it the fact that all of the Texas shows had Michael Shanker on the set list, too? You know, <laughs> Probably. You know. But the show I'm going to sold out, too, so you don't know. You really don't know. Yeah. Uh, and again, I, I would like to see it. I, I do love Wasp. But, man, some of these articles I've been seeing with Blackie, and I really... Uh, there's been a lot of, you know, stories out now that Wasp is on tour. And, you know, kind of here, here's just a couple of examples. Uh, Blackie's been doing these meet and greets with the fans, which is cool. I like any time a band does stuff like that, you know, and gives the fans a little bit extra. Uh, I, I do think that's good. I mean, we, we know why they're doing it, because they need the fucking money. But uh, I, I think it's a good experience for the fans who can afford them. But Blackie's saying that, you know, the reason why he's on all the, the album cover, well, he, you know, only Wasp was on the first debut album is because the band was never the same after Tony Richards left. And that's why it was him by himself on Last Command. It was him by himself on Inside the Electric Circus. And I'm, I'm sorry. I'm just not buying that. I'm not same. buying that one fucking bit. Uh... You know, and, and for a man that, you know, says he's Christian and he's, you know, you know, won't play Animal, but now he's playing Animal again because, I mean, the people are, you know, demanding it, really. You know, if you're going to see him, you got to play that. But he's already kind of went back on, you know, we talked about this in the last episode, uh, you know, it was supposed to be just songs off the first four albums and now it's not. Uh, I'm really disappointed with the set list. And then I saw another interview <laughs> where he's talking about and I, I, I know how Eric you feel about Silent Lucidity I don't know how you feel about Queensryche as a whole but now he's saying that Crimson Idol is a better concept album than Operation Minecraft oh god I hate Crimson Idol 
I could go on for hours. Uh, but that's an album that aged horribly with me because I first heard it, I loved it, but then every other listen after it got worse and worse. Yeah, and I've talked about it. I wouldn't say it aged horribly. I, I think it sounds as bad as when I first got it. And, you know, I was pissed because I had to pay for an import. I heard that, yeah. Yeah, me, yeah, it wasn't released in the States over here. For me, it was... I had been a big Wasp fan, but that was one album I hadn't heard because the only song I knew from it was Chainsaw Charlie, which I hate that song. And um, yeah. I, I had went through a really, really bad breakup because I was in high school when, you know, when breakups are like a big deal because you hadn't actually been through real shit in life. And so I was really right. kind of melancholy and all woe is me kind of. And I heard that album, so it resonated with me because that album's just a bunch of wham wham shit. Whereas when I finally got over that breakup and I listened to it again afterwards, I'm like, oh, this album fucking actually kind of sucks. So much of a fucking whiny bullshit. Well, I'm not yeah. a fan. I'm not a fan of Crimson Idol. I only like three songs, and one of those songs is Chainsaw Charlie. So I'm glad you went through that pain. <laughs> <laughs> I like two. I like two songs off it. I like Doctor Rockter and I like Arena of Pleasure. But after that, and I like the B side, Fans in the Mirror the song that didn't make it, which is, if you listen to it, it's actually basically just the same, it's like the same riff or whatever from uh, uh, The Heretic from Headless Children. Well, uh, you like those three songs, so now I'm even happier that you went through that horrible <laughs> those, those songs suck. Oh, I love Phantom of the Mirror. I think that's a fucking killer song. Phantom of these nuts. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Real, real mature, never, Ralph. Real mature. Why don't you tell a mama joke? Yeah. These, Yo, mama, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, FCC, but these nuts jokes never get old. And I heard Blackie, <laughs> in a, I don't know if you heard this, but in a January, Blackie is playing the whole Crimson Idol at the SockCon Festival. You ever, guys ever been to the SockCon Festival? I, no. I haven't been there, but if he's playing the entire Crimson Isle album, I'm definitely not going. Well, they're playing at the SockCon Festival, like Suck on These Nuts. Yeah. Oh, just like your mother. I knew that was coming. Oh, oh. damn. I hate oh. reality, man. I hate reality. <laughs> My mother's a well, uh, you know, enough about Wasp. I really hope you guys enjoy the show. I hope I'm, it's, you know. I mean, I'm looking forward to it. I think it's a little different for me because I never got to see Wasp because by the, I became a fan of Wasp in third grade. And, you know, in third grade, I was still too young to go to some of the venues that they were playing at. And then by the time I was- What are you now, up, a freshman? What? I said, what are you now, a freshman? Oh, no, I, I'm like 29 <laughs> now. But oh, okay. <laughs> by the time I was old enough to go see them, like they they're already done touring in America, and so right. so for me it's kind of a big deal. They're playing Animal. I'm just hoping. I'm looking at the set list. They kind of like switch set list almost. I'm hoping when I see oh, them, they they? Oh, and and I I don't need no doctor instead of great instead of the you know fucking hour long block of Crimson Idol shit. Oh, man, you, oh, know, I, you know, I don't know what the fuck you guys are complaining about, man. Seriously. <laughs> fucking Armored Saint, man. Oh, I'm I'm meeting them. I bought for, a meet and greet for them. Hey, I hey. love them. For me, that show, Wasp is the footnote. I can give a rat's ass. You know, I'm going to see them play Book of Blood for the first time at Madhouse, which I haven't seen them do since 91. 
and three songs off their excellent last album, Punch in the Sky. That's so, that's the that should be the headlines. Now I'm paying attention to the set list, and the cool thing it's Armored Saint is they kind of they switch it up. Like uh, some shows they'll play like On the Way, which I love On the Way. Yeah. But, and but some I shows are playing you know Book of Blood or like they're playing Chemical Euphoria. So I'm just like, oh man, it's like no no matter what. Armored Saint could pick, like, any fucking random ten songs from all their discography, and I'm not going to be disappointed. They're so good. No, man. The only disappointment is, is that they're not they're not headlining, but they're still oh, for real. solid. And a great shirt, man. I saw one of the shirts. I was like, ooh, I need to get that. Part. Yeah. And the cool thing is they yeah. let you pick that shirt from the merch booth with their meet and greet. It's not like they you just get handed a shirt. You get to well, pick no, whichever one. I've done... I've done the meet and greet, and hopefully they'll do the same for you, for Armored Saint. What Armored Saint does is, yes, they make you go to the merch table before anybody else got, does, but they also give you a special shirt for Ooh, only, nice. only VIP members. So hopefully you'll get that. You'll, and I got drumsticks from Gonzo, guitar picks, a cool little book. And, and you know, unlike other meet and greets, we actually went in their bus. Oh, nice. And I got to interview Joey Vera, and, and when I interviewed him, I gave him the greatest first question ever in the history of interviews. My first question to Joey Vera was, what is your social security number? <laughs> Hell yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to ask them when I see them at the meet and greet if they can play Feel Me the Night because I'm notorious for like, when I first added Phil and uh, Gonzo on Facebook, that was like the question I asked. I was like, are you guys ever going to play Feel Me tonight? And I always comment on their stuff when they're on tour. Like, are you guys going to play Feel Me tonight? Because I love that song. And that's like a club day song that they never even like officially released. That's like one of my favorites. Right. Yeah. Uh, but they're going to they're gonna smoke Wasp. I mean. Oh, they I, are, dude. I guarantee I saw it. Smoke, I saw them smoke Queensryche badly. And in Queensryche Defense, they really picked a shitty set list that night. Oh, they play Stanley City? Because that was <laughs> they, they always play that. But, you know, oh, that night gosh. they played, I don't know, I can't tell you, but, you know, I've seen them with Del Torre before where they did killer shit, you know, open with Knight Rider and, yeah, I, and all that shit. But that tour with Armored Saint was the shittiest set list. And they came out, Armored Saint came out and just fucking devoured them. It was it was almost as painful as seeing Pantera own Skid Row. Almost. Right there, man. Dude, if I had a band, I'd be scared to have Armored Saint open up because, man, they just kill. And even, like, some of the reviews I've seen for these shows, like, there are a lot of people that they don't even, they didn't even know Armored Saint. And they said, oh, my God, that Armored Saint band, holy shit, they, like, you know, they killed it. Yeah. No, they're, they're, they are amazing live. And, hey, all these shows, I mean, this watch show is selling out all over the place. Yeah, can only benefit them, you know. So now more and more people will be, you know, seeing this band going, "Holy fuck, man! All I know is, can you deliver? These other songs are fucking badass, you know." Oh yeah, so that's the oh, toy. Dude, that's why I'm driving four hours. Think I'm gonna drive four fucking hours for Wild? Get the fuck! <laughs> I'm driving three hours. You know, I'm doing it for Armored Saint, though, man. And that's the main reason I'm going to this shit is Armored Saint. Well, if, if Armored Saints manager's listening, uh, I, I agree. Armored Sh Saints should be opening up. A, it, it's more, you know, I feel like if you're seeing Armored Saint right now, you're really seeing Armored Saint. Where if you're seeing Wasp, you're you seeing see the Blackie Lawless. Yeah, you're seeing the Blackie experience. Uh, but note to their manager, if you want to start headlining, 
have him play some songs off of Sound of White Noise. You know, that's all it's going to take. And then Armored Saint will be headlining. Oh, yeah. I heard it here first. <laughs> I heard John Bush talk I'm, about possibly maybe in the future doing like a solo tour of doing like some of the his armor, not Armored Saint, uh, Anthrax stuff. Yeah. Oh, I'd, I'd be there. I'd, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd be there in a minute. But that would just be, they ain't going to play Seattle. Oh, it's, yeah, they're going to play just the just major, Cal- major yeah, areas. California, New York, and maybe Chicago, you know? But, yeah, I'd, I'd go see that in a heartbeat. Yeah, I'd love to see that. I'd love to see, you know, John Bush go up there and sing the phone booth. I don't give a fuck. Hell, yeah. All right. Well, Cheap Trick, I think, finally made uh, the right choice. And uh, they postponed future shows, including one here in Washington, uh, till Rick Nielsen comes back. Uh, we talked about this in the last episode that uh, Robin Zander's kid was going to be playing guitar in lieu of Rick Nielsen. But it turns out he needs to take a little bit more time off. And what they did is they postponed the shows. And they and what I love is they've already rescheduled. Them. These shows will right happen. Back, guys. I gotta take a bathroom break. Okay, uh, it will. It, that's all right. It will be happening in, in uh, January, I believe. They rescheduled these, so uh, I, I think that's the right choice. What do you think, Ralph? Yeah, I mean, fuck, you can't see Cheap Trick without Rick Nielsen, you know. But I'll be honest with you, if that came my way, I'd go see him without Rick because I'm such a Robin Zander nutswinger, and I've seen Cheap Trick over a hundred times, so you know. All right, a show without Rick, but I see Robin belted out again. But for, you know, your casual, or even people like you that probably seen him a dozen times, maybe the most. Right, um, right. Yeah, I'd rather you see Rick Nielsen, you know. Right. And, you know, it's the thing, like, you know, if Robin Zander was sick, you don't want to see nobody replacing Robin Zander, <laughs> you know. There, I won't go. <laughs> yeah. Yep, won't. If Robin ain't there, I ain't going. I was yeah. telling this girl the other day, <clears throat> when I used to play the culture room, Cheap Trick played the culture room, so it was always an honor to go up on that stage that Robin stood on, you know, and uh, <clears throat> and King Diamond. And in the in the little dressing room, you know, before we go up on stage, the whole room is full of pictures of artists that's played there with the club owner. And I would always stare at that Robin Zander picture right before I go on stage. It would pump me up so much, man. It was so... I don't even know why I brought that up, Ian. That's a great story. Oh, yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, it really <clears> is. <throat> you know, when I played the Revolution, Rob Hoffer with Fight played there, Merciful Fate played there, and Dio played there. And I got up on stage and I said, Dio, King Diamond, and Rob Hoffer stood right where I'm standing. The Holy Trinity was up here. And now, me story. I love that story that you have about uh, looking at that picture of Robin Zander before going on stage, just getting, you know, fired up. Yeah, man. That's what you just told. <laughs> yeah, I said that while we were taking a piss. Oh, oh my God. Yeah, it was bad. I, I like couldn't hold it. I'm like, I, I need to go. And I even said, right. and, and then afterwards I said, I don't even know why I said that. <laughs> <laughs> Next story. Next story. <laughs> speaking, of, speaking of chicks without a dick, uh, Sammy Hagar. Oh, is he uh, still alive? Yes, unfortunately, oh, Sammy Hagar is still alive. That, that, that's we ought to open up every show with just saying Sammy Hagar is still alive, so people know already. Don't get excited. Uh, 
he's talking about releasing uh, an unreleased Van Hagar song called Between Us Two. Oh, Jesus. And, and supposedly this is a ballad written for the Twister soundtrack, uh, which they ended up not using this song, and they put on, uh, there was I guess there was an instrumental track on the Twister soundtrack besides Human Being. Well, <laughs> that decision was smart. Yeah, so, so it shows you how good this fucking song is. But God damn it, he's going to try to release it so anybody gives a shit. But, uh, yeah, he needs to die. He needs oh to die. Oh, God. Yeah, For damn. real. All right. And then last story, unless somebody's got something to add. I do. I'm sure by now. <laughs> oh, okay, all right, well, go ahead. I just got today a couple songs that I'm going to write lyrics and sing on. And those songs I got from Rick Ross, man. Oh, nice. Oh. So I'm going to be recording with Rick Ross. It ain't going to be a touring band or, you know, it's just like a project thing. But cool, man. I'm going to, you know, Rick Ross already wrote the music and it's awesome. It's very traditional metal. It's not like death metal and shit like that. And oh, wow. Yeah. And um, yeah, man, I don't know what he's going to do with it, but. I'm gonna write lyrics and sing on it, and you know that's all I care about, man. So now I can. We still gotta, huh? We still gotta get Rick and uh, Terry Butler on the show, man. I'll, I'll talk to him. I talk to Rick all the time, so I'll I'll, I'll mention it to him. And uh, <clears throat> yeah, man, it's gonna be fucking awesome. So now it's like I had Bobby Gustafson on one of my songs, and now I'm doing songs with Rick Ross. That's fucking choice, bro. Oh my god. Have you, have you talked to Bobby since he left violence? Nope. No, I have not. He doesn't. He lives up in North. I talk to Bobby only at shows. I, I never bother him on Facebook, and I don't have his phone number. But, you know, when we see each other at shows, I'm, dude, we literally have had, went to, you know, like restaurants and ate together. And we hang out a lot, but only in a situation of shows, you know. We, we got to get Bobby on the show. Well, I'll try, man. I'll talk to him. He's the type of guy that, <clears throat> I don't know, he's really cool. But I kind of feel like, you know, ah, I don't want to ask him for his number and shit like that. Even though, I mean, dude, I hit him up one. Hey, dude, would you do a guitar solo on our cover of Hammerhead from Overkill? Sure. And he did it. It was so fucking cool. Yeah. So, you know, you know, after that, I could have had a little, hey, man, can I get your number? I, I don't know. I feel kind of weird. And you know he's very, you know he's very cool on my Facebook, leaving me comments and likes and shit. But you know, next time I see him at a show, I'll get the whole scoop because that guy told me millions of stories of Overkill and Megaforce, and you know he he doesn't hold anything back. So I'll find out what's going on with violence. But I got to see him at a show. Hopefully he'll be at yeah. once. Nice. Right on. All right. Well, last story. Uh... Because I, I think it happened the, the last night we were recording, but now it's got out. Uh, the performance by Judas Priest at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Did you guys all see that? Yeah. I did. What did you guys think of that? I thought there was some... Uh, God, I, I think it told a lot how far away KK was from everybody. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I... at some points, like Rob Hopper went up to his face thing and breaking the law, and, and it, him and Faulkner were getting along great doing the yeah. little back and forth thing you know yeah sometimes uh kk would go to the far uh left of the stage but it still was so right it looked so right to see kk up there 
It looks so oh. fucking right. Oh, yeah, agreed. So, I love... I, I, I agree. And, and I love seeing all the pictures that Faulkner took with KK and Les Banks, too. Yeah. I thought that was really cool on both their parts because, you know, you know, KK has said some unkind things about Richie. Uh, but Richie put all that shit aside and, uh, you know, he was very vocal about what an honor it was to play on stage with him and everything. And uh, I don't know. I, I hope this lays some groundwork. I, th- I think it's still too early to tell. But, uh, you know, I kind of watched some of the the performance and I'm like, oh, I was hoping to see a little bit more camaraderie, a little bit more excitement with, with KK on stage. It seemed it seemed pretty cold to me. But uh, but I thought they, they sounded great. I mean, yeah, they played, uh, you know, three very predictable songs. But, I mean, look at your environment. Of course, they're going to play, you know, the three popular ones, at least to that audience. Uh, it was nice that Rob Halford came out and got to sing Jolene with Dolly Parton. Was that was fun. awesome. You know, and, and uh, you know, what sucks is, you know, there's a good chance if, if Dolly Parton would have stuck to her guns and not got inducted, that maybe Judas Priest would have got a proper induction in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame instead of like, as you know, uh, for those of you who don't know it, Priest is in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, but in a subcategory. Uh, they're not in a regular, like, most artists are. Ooh, uh, ooh how prestigious. <laughs> I don't care where they yeah. are. They're Judas fucking priest. Oh, we're going to oh, have yeah. them in the official Hall of Fame. Who gives a rat's ass what you're going to do? You didn't buy British British Steel, you bitch. You know, you fuckers that got them in, got them in because of pressure. Kiss yep. my big black ass. You know? Oh, yeah. and, 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 but, you know, and the thing is, though, I really think, uh, and I know a lot of people can't stand this guy, but I think Dave Grohl had a lot to do with it, too, because, you know, they suck at the teat of Dave Grohl. And he was very vocal about Priest needs to be here, Priest needs to be here, because they did not win the fan vote, you know? They got blown away by, I think, Duran Duran. I'm telling you this right now. Fan votes don't matter because the people that get in, a lot of a lot of them were high on the fan vote and they still didn't get in. So the fan vote right. is just, it's just, I, I, fuck the fan vote and fuck everybody that votes on the fan vote. You fucking poser pieces of shit care about this Man. fucking place. You're worse than the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. All you fuckers are 100... Man, people bitch about the Rock and Roll thing. Fuck you, you bitches. They're just elitist douchebags, and you're there fucking wanting their acceptance, dude. It just drives me fucking apeshit. Anybody that votes, fan votes, uh, anybody that's on that fan vote, you deserve to lose, you loser. I'm glad Jesus lost the fan vote. Don't jump on my ship. I've been saying fuck the fans for years. Fans are worse than bands. That's that's a matter of <laughs> yeah, fact. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that that's science. That's science. Sammy Hagar fans are much worse than Sammy Hagar. Yeah, much but, worse. Much but there worse. are there are is a great fan base out there, Ian. That I need to apologize to again. I want to apologize to everybody that listens to the Rock and Metal Combat podcast for what we spawned. 
And Ian and Ian won't say fuck the fans when it comes to those things. That yeah. that shows and, how badass you are. And I, I will say fuck the fans who voted for him to get into the Special Olympics Hall of Fame. Fuck him. He doesn't deserve to be there. He's done mu much worse than Dave Holland. So you you just said fuck me because I, I voted for them to be in the Special Olympics Hall of Fame. <laughs> Uh, you voted for him who should not be named to be in the Special Olympics Hall of Fame? Hey, that rhymes. I think, I think, uh. Uh, I think so, man. I mean, does anybody else deserve it more than him? Yes. <laughs> anybody. <clears throat> All right, well, now let's get to the reason that we're here today, and that is the album that uh, Eric... Jordan RMCP Esquire picked, and uh, I was happy as fuck to do this one, even though I had never heard this album before today. Oh, nice! And that, and that is Lizzie Borden's first full-length album, "Love You to Pieces." Uh, this is a band. I'll go ahead and give my history first. Um, I knew of them pretty much through through metal magazines and through Decline of the Western Civilization Part 2 and the movie Black Roses. A horrible, 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 horrible horror movie. Oh, uh, terrible. You know, that, that some people will check out because it's a heavy metal horror movie. You know, you want a good heavy metal horror movie, get Trick or Treat from 1986. Uh, Black Roses is a horrible direct-to-video uh, piece of shit. You know, but, uh, you know, Ian, to go back on the news for a little bit, did you see what Blackie Lawless said about Trick or Treat? Oh, what did he say now? I, I know he was up to play the part of, of Sammy Kerr. Yeah, he was up to play the part. They gave him the script, and he said, this is the worst piece of shit ever. <laughs> and then he went yeah. to the theater, and he saw the movie, and he said, what the fuck? They totally changed the script. This movie rules. So he kind of got boned. <laughs> you know what? Oh, oh, re oh, really? He ended up saying he liked it? He said he loved it and that they gave him oh, a totally Because they rewrote the whole script they gave him. <laughs> you know, he was... Oh, man. I heard a rumor that he was supposed to be considered for... Uh, Terminator. Uh, Terminator, Terminator 2. Terminator 2. Yeah. As the villain. Yeah, that, 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 yeah that's not a rumor. That's true. And okay. uh, you, know why, you know why he didn't get it? He was too uh, tall. It... Yeah, and, and I will back that up because I have met Arnold Schwarzenegger twice. Uh, he is not as tall as you think he is. Yeah, I heard he's not as tall as you think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I met him uh, 1990, Parade of Stars in Los Angeles, and shook his hand. And then I was working on the set of the horrible Terminator Genesis. Oh, and, Jesus. Uh, Yes, and, and uh, they filmed that in New Orleans where I worked uh, at LS, at the LSU medical campus. Um, and, and yeah, he mean mugged me because I asked him to move because I had to get by and he was getting <laughs> his makeup done and he shot me like this mean look. I'm like, fuck you, little man. <laughs> you know, he's like, he looked like he's 103 and he's not as big as, you know, he used to be or as you think he is on the, you know. And I, I just thought it was kind of bullshit because I, I, I didn't say it as a dick, but I actually, I needed to do something for the movie and I needed to get by. Uh, but I did meet J.K. Simmons, who does those uh, Farmers commercials and he was on Oz. Now that motherfucker could have been cooler. Got my picture taken with him. Super nice guy. 
but anyway, yeah, uh, Schwarzenegger's got a big thing about uh, starting with people who were uh, taller than him. Uh, <laughs> other people like that. The midget uh, Tom Cruise is like that. Uh, Stallone's like that to an extent, man. They don't want people to know how short they really are. <laughs> not, that Schwarzenegger, not that Schwarzenegger is short, but he's not as big as you think he is. I met yeah. Stallone. I met Stallone, and that guy is super short. I'll tell you what, man. The, yeah. I, I used to bodybuild, and I'm a short guy. The most bodybuilders like them, you know, they... They're usually short guys, and that's the reason they get into it is because they're short. So it's like, well, I can't grow taller. I can get big as fuck. And short guys, too, have an easier time putting on muscle than, like, a tall guy. Yeah, right. me, and Ian, me and Ian are a testament to that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, see, I'm right in between. I'm not a midget, but I'm not tall. Uh, I have an easier time putting on fat. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but, uh... But yeah, yeah. So anyway, yeah. Blackie Lawless was supposed to be in that, uh, but that's what kept him out. But yeah, trick or treats rules. Uh, Black roses sucks. But anyway, that's how I knew uh, Lizzie Borden. Uh, and I, I think one thing that really kind of turned me off to of them, and I've talked about this numerous times. Uh, when I was younger, I was a snob to bands that weren't on major labels, and they were on metal blade. I didn't see their videos as much. I saw some pictures in, like, Hit Parader and Metal Maniacs and shit like that, but they didn't get a whole lot of press. But to me, I just always looked at them as, like, a, a poor man's Wasp or a poor man's Alice Cooper. I knew they, they were a theatrical band, but I'm like, they're not on a major label. I don't see their videos on MTV. They must suck. And then when I saw them in Decline of the Western Civilization, I think what really threw me off was the horrible decision to play Born to be Wild. You know, I think if in, in that movie they would have played, uh, you know, what's the big hit? Uh, Me Against the World. Uh, play that or another track, I think they would have got uh, more respect, more notoriety. I just saw it as, like, cheesy. Because even when that came out, you know, I was probably, what, 13, 13 or 14 when Decline 2 came out. Uh, I was already burned out on Born to be Wild. Great song, never, never want to hear it again. I haven't wanted to hear it again since I was fucking eight years old. That's how much that shit gets burned out on classic rock radio and movies and shit like that. I never so, wanted to hear it again after the first time I heard it. <laughs> <laughs> so you just don't like it at all, huh? I hate that fucking song. Hate it with a yeah. passion, and I agree 100%. Um, them playing this song hurt them, really. Because if they would have yeah. played, like, Psychopath, and, you know, Me Against the World wasn't out yet. But, you know, something early, you know, um, it would have got them way more exposure than doing a fucking cover of Pornoi Wow, where you're not even changing it. You're keeping it as sucky as it actually is. Right, yeah, yeah. They definitely didn't, you know, change it up at all. But, yeah, so that's what always kind of put me off from checking out Lizzie Borden. I thought there was just something wrong with them or they would have been bigger. Uh, you know, it wasn't until years later that I really gave him a chance, and what really changed my mind was the episode we did uh, a long time ago with Aaron uh, Camaro from Decibel Geek, where we did Visual Lies, and I believe uh, that was a fan episode from and Pod, too, and uh, I had Aaron on the episode because, well, 
A, it's fucking Aaron Camaro, and B, I knew he was a huge Thin Lizzy fan. I mean, Thin Lizzy, Lizzy Borden fan. Um, but man, I really fell in love with that album. And then I, I got their discography, and I listened to the album I think that came out after that, uh, Master of Disguise or some shit yeah. like that. Yeah. It's the only album yeah. I don't like of his. Yeah, I don't like that one. Yeah. Didn't do a lot for me. And then around the same time, uh, you know, there's been three what I would call modern uh, Lizzie Borden albums that, that are very much a change in style. More of like almost like an industrial or modern metal sound. And none of those grabbed me. So I kind of, you know, put them on the back burner. But, you know, I always kept, uh, since we reviewed it, uh, Visualize has been on my phone. Uh, you know, so much stuff because when, when I'm on the run or I'm in the car, you know, I'm always playing music, got stuff on shuffle. And and I love damn near every track on that album. I thought it was really cool. But I didn't go back and check out the other stuff. I've never seen the video that Aaron loves so much. The uh, Murder. Yeah, I, I, I still have it on VHS. It's on YouTube for free. Yeah. Uh, Melblade has it on there. It's, it's a great fucking video. I bought that video cassette in 1975. I mean, 85. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and I've heard it's good. And I bet, man, like, if I would have paid attention to these guys when I was coming up in metal, I would probably have much more of an affinity and, and respect for them. Um, but like I said, between listening to them that came out after Visualize and the modern stuff, I, I once again put them on the back burner. Uh, as obviously there's a reason why they never made it bigger but when i saw this was a fan episode i know this is coming late in the fan episodes but that's only because you know you're guesting and you know scheduling the guest episodes you know is always harder to do than just a regular one but i i was looking forward to it because i was like well i really like that other one man let me check this out and uh you know we'll see how i feel about this one but uh yeah, they were just one of those bands, and I would like Ralph to really uh, tell a lot more because he was more in the scene when these guys were in what you would consider their prime. But I've always remembered them as a band that was very, like, you know, D-level, didn't have a lot of fans, didn't have a lot of respect. But that's just, you know, I'm talking about in my junior high, <laughs> you know, or my high school, there was nobody talking about Lizzie Borden. Where, you know, at that time, Ralph was seeing a lot more shows and a lot more into it. So maybe he knows a lot more about how they were perceived at that time. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's a tale of, of, of two different bands, you know. Like, you know, do you go with the classic stuff? What do you think of the newer stuff? Uh, Ralph, I mean, was, was this band ever seen as like an up-and-comer? Or did you expect them to get bigger than what happened to them? Well, and, and believe me, Ian, I'm not trying to sound snobby or anything, but it is true. This is how I was back then. I was into D-level bands. Um, I would collect these Metal Massacre albums to hear these D-level bands. Nobody's ever heard of these bands. And there were, I'm telling you about 75% of the, all these Metal Massacres I bought back in the day, 75% of these albums, uh, bands ruled. And I say out of 75%, maybe 60%, Never even made, went, went on to make an album. Like Sacred Blade and shit like that. It's like, so um, I was into 
Metal Blade a lot. I was into combat a lot. This was around right after 84. Like around 85, everything was turning to shit for me. Like I, I, I just didn't like, uh, you know, Somewhere in Time and Ultimate Sin and, and you know, and Turbo. So it was like, I need my metal. This ain't metal no more to me. And, you know, and of course, Metallica was one of those bands. They, Metallica, believe it or not, was a D-level band. I was into Metallica when they were D-level and Slayer. And, and you know, and you name it, you know, all these Megadeths on Combat Records and all this shit. So that, I was totally into that. So as far as like, oh, would it ever make mainstream? It never really... I didn't think it would, to tell you the truth, but I never really thought about it. All I knew back then was nobody's going to ever know who King Diamond is. You know, this guy's too hardcore, you know, and look, and look at him now. You know what I'm saying? So all these D-level bands back in the day, some of them bubbled up and just destroyed A-level bands of the time, like Metallica and Slayer. You know, they still could play big places while all these other A-list hair farmers just, you know, went to the wayside and started opening for Warren. You know what I mean? <clears throat> but, um, and funny enough, that's how I discovered Lizzie Borden was a Metal Masker 4. Uh, the song Rod of Iron. And I was like, God, it was like, that album, I say, man, just about every damn song rules on it. And that one kind of stood out a little bit from all the other ones. I just thought it was so... I don't know. There was, I mean, it was total metal, but there was something eerie about it. And I liked the guy's voice. It was different. It was unique. Believe it or not, before I ever bought a Lizzie Borden album, I only knew him from Rod of Iron. The first thing I bought was the, the videotape. You know, I looked at the videotape, Rod of Iron was on it. And I was like, it's a whole damn show of Lizzie Borden. So I'm going to get this. And then, yes, that from there, I, you know, give him the axe and, and this one. I started buying all Lizzie Borden albums uh, at the time. So, you know, I mean, they, but they were just one of the many bands I loved on Metal Blade. Because I was a big fan of Metal Blade and Combat. I mean, that that was the shit, I, you know, I went out to record stores to find. It's stuff like that. D-level shit. Because D-level shit, <laughs> it really did. It no. connected with me, you know? No, it's what I loved it. What, what I call the D-level shit now you know, I love it now, but back then, you know, I remember when I bought Abigail, it was still Road Racer and had the Panther and everything. And I remember specifically after I bought Abigail, I would not buy anything that was on Road Racer. If I saw that label it's on, I'm like, oh, hell no. Yeah, you hell no, I ain't getting this shit. You were basically my age, though. It took you a couple years, but you know, how old I was getting into D-level band, was how old you yeah. were getting into D-level bands, you know, and maybe yeah. maybe even younger than me for all I know. But but yeah, I, I'm just talking about at this time, you know, with right. all this shit. That's all I would look for is like, I'd go to the import shops and I would buy anything that looked cool. Like I didn't know what the right. fuck it sounded like, you know. That's a, a show no mercy is one of them. I saw that fucking album cover with that, you know, the devil with the pentagram. What really sold it was when I turned around. I saw fucking Jeff uh, Hanneman with the with the cro upside down cross on the light yeah. ball with blood, and I was like, I must have this. You know. What I mean? <laughs> and, you know See, you're you're That's so much cool better thing. than me because at you know at, at 13 years old, I saw the cover for 
fucking uh, Pretty Boy Floyd, and I'm like, I gotta have this. Oh Jesus, that's I, a shit album. <laughs> and I and I bought it, and it was horrendous. It was horrendous. And but that, uh, that was on MTV. Did you ever? Yeah, yeah, it was. So I thought it was safe. I was like, yeah, yeah. MCA, they're not a big label, but you know, it's at least it's a major. Uh, but it shows how stupid I was at that age. I was like MTV spoon fed motherfucker. You know, I didn't get cooler till later. Yeah, that. But did you? Go ahead. Did you ever get to see them back yes. in the day live? No, not what, back in the what, day. I saw them. Oh. I saw them. I think it was either 2000 or 99. They opened for Anthony in Boynton Beach, and dude, I mean, Boynton Beach's not closed. But I was like, oh my right. God, Izzy Barton. And uh, I go, and yeah, they fucking ruled. And Ingve, which. Oh, they did? Oh, okay. they were fucking amazing. And Ingve, who I love, and I love seeing live, I like, I love that wankery shit. But that night, it was so uncomfortably loud when Ingve came out, I couldn't make out shit that I literally walked out. And here's the cool part. I walked out, and I'm with my friend Dave, and we go to the tour bus, see if we can meet Lizzie Borden, right? Lizzie Borden yeah. comes out, nice guy, we get a picture with him on. Here's the funny part. Back in that time, Metal Sludge was very popular. Extremely popular. So, oh, I remember that. So yep. if you would, you would wear a metal, bla- a metal Sludge shirt, you'd get, you know, you, oh, a Sludge fan of the week, or whatever the fuck they called it. Well... A picture of me came out on Sludge Fan of the Week, and I wasn't wearing a metal Sludge shirt. Lizzie Borden was. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so nice. I got on Metal Sludge because Lizzie Borden was wearing a metal Sludge shirt. And it's an awesome picture because Lizzie Borden's doing that whole yelling face like, ah! You know, and he's a super cool guy. And yeah, I got, I told him everything I just told you, you know, you know, Metal Massacre, and I was so much into the Metal Blade stuff, and and I love you because you're in a D band. No, I didn't say that part, but I, <laughs> but but uh, yeah, I told him my whole story, and yeah, he really. I mean, there were several of us out there. Uh, you know, Lizzie Borden so, got you know, very small, but big enough to leave an Angry show to go meet him. You know. But now, when you saw him on one of the modern tours, and of course, at that point. Lizzie Borden's look is a lot different now than it was. In the oh, yes. No, 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 not at that uh, time. And it was after that oh. time. Yeah, yeah, he still looked oh. like Lizzie Borden. So it's Deal with the Devil era? Oh. Yeah, 99, 2000, I think it was Deal with the Devil. Yeah, and it was Deal with the Devil. He still had, like, kind of the old school look. Yeah, and the puppet. Oh, okay. And, you know, the axe and chopping chicks on stage. He did all that. Okay, because now he looks like Slipknot. You know, like everybody wears masks and stuff like that. Right, uh, right. So when you saw him, like, was the, the, the set list was more like the older shit and everything? It sure was. Several songs from this album was played that night. And was it was it was it a theatrical show? Was he pretty? Yes. yes. Oh, nice. Did you see him with Alex Nelson on guitar before Alex Nelson died? Who died, I'm telling you, not even a year after that in a car crash, right? Yeah. Yeah, it was not even a year after that, but I saw... You know, he had the box on stage. He chopped up a chick inside the box, you know, with the axe. And, you know, the blood squirting out and him drinking the blood. All that shit. Nice. It was awesome, man. I took a lot of pictures that night of, of his show with my camera. And, um, yeah, so I did get the... I mean, it was opening. They played for maybe an hour the most. I wish it was longer. But, hey, man, I got to see it at least. And I did get to see it at the tail end of his changing his look. 
because after that, even before the mask, he did some, you know, dyed his hair black and, you know, Right. More like tight leather stuff. Or back then, he still was Lizzie Borden with the furry, sh furry clothes, and you know, total, right. total kick-ass, dude. It was fucking amazing. So yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. I love, love Lizzie Borden. But I've talked about well, this on that last episode. Well, here, here's something that uh, you know really excites me because Eric, you're you're close to my son's age, and so I'm very interested on how somebody your age gets into Lizzie Borden, man. How did you discover these guys? Well, with Lizzie Borden, um, I can thank Armored Saint for uh, discovering Lizzie Borden because my dad, right around the time I was getting into Armored Saint, you know, because my dad bought the Nazi old school CD and that was my introduction to them. Shortly after, he bought the Trip to Red Times DVD, which I actually own a copy of that. And inside there's an insert because they're on Metal Blade. And there's an insert and it had like all the like, you know, other DVDs available through Metal Blade. I was looking at all of them and they had the Lizzie Borden one. And I'm looking at it and it was like, you know, an 80s band. You know, I looked at it just the, the cover intrigued me. And, you know, I, I think, I believe I bought, I, I had my dad get that DVD at Tower Records. And it just blew me away. I saw that. I saw... The Me Against the World music video, and just, it, it, you know, he just blew me away, man, Lizzie Borden, because I was in the Kiss. You know, what, Kiss what, 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 age, what age is this that you're in? The, uh, third in grade. This? Third grade. Oh, wow. Yeah, okay, I, I awesome. got into heavy metal very young, but basically nice. he intrigued me because he's like, he had all the things I liked, you know, he's like Kiss, because I was a big Kiss fan at the time when I was young. You know, he was like Kiss, Alice Cooper, but then like he was also like Maiden, you know, like musically it sounded like, you know, Maiden or Judas Priest. And, you know, he just blew me away. And as I got older, I went back and discovered more of his music. And uh, as of now, man, I mean, he's number two. You know, if, you know, my top five favorite bands, it's like original Van Halen and Lizzie Borden is number two. Wow. Wow. He's, he's one of my favorite singers, too. I think... You know, you guys reviewed Crimson Glory, uh, you know, for the last episode. Him and Midnight are like, you know, they're two guys that got compared a lot to Jeff Tate. But I feel like with Lizzie Bourne and uh, Midnight, they both like, much like Jeff Tate, they can sing like really like high like that. But with them, they have more of an aggression. Like Lizzie Bourne can sing high and almost angelic, but they can also sound like a freaking serial killer and like real sinister. So, I mean, he's he's like up there as one of my top five favorite singers and Lizzie Bourne's like my number two favorite band of all time. It's just, I love their music. There's only one album of theirs that I just, I'm not a fan of, which is Master of Disguise, but every other album I love, Voyeur, I'm Watching You, is like probably my favorite, one of my favorite songs of all time. He's just, uh, you know, he's one of my favorites, man. And I just, you know, I feel like as years go on, I just get more and more into him. Uh, still hoping to see him in concert, so... You know, knock well, on wood, I, hope that happens. I want to say, you know, first and foremost, it's very brave of you uh, to say on, on the best podcast in the world uh, that Kiss isn't your favorite band. So you're <laughs> going to get canceled. You know, you're going to oh, get a lot of hate mail. I, I think because, a hot pocket was just thrown at my window. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it, it came from out of basement window, so it's going to hit you in the bottom of the chin. <laughs> they didn't even um, cook it. It was their mom that cooked it. <laughs> but, uh, 
No, I, I think I think that's incredible. I love seeing, uh, you know, not that you're a kid, but but to me, because I'm old, you know, and you're a little bit younger than my son, you're you're, you're always going to be like a kid to me. But I love seeing younger people getting into bands like this at, at a time when, you know, like the new music is so, so horrible. But I love seeing your generation taking a chance on the old stuff because it seems it, it, it's harder for your generation than it was mine and Rouse uh, to appreciate what came before you. All right, well, now we'll go into the album. And, Eric, since you picked this, why don't you take the first track, Counsel for the Cauldron? Oh, holy shit, man. So, obviously, the the first song I ever heard from him was Me Against the World. I saw it on Metal Mania on VH1 Classic. That's where I discovered a lot of great metal. Uh, But when I saw this video, this was the song, you know, Me Against the World is a song that made me go, all right, this is a cool band. I need to check them out. This was the song that I heard that made me go, okay, this band's legit, you know. Sometimes you hear a song by a band, it's really good, but then you listen to the rest of their shit, and it's horrible. Well, sometimes you hear a song, and it hooks you in, and this is that song that hooked me in, you know. And Counselor Condrill, oh my god, just, this is a fucking killer song, man. Just Lizzie Bourne with that fucking crazy-ass fucking voice, those amazing vocals. But then you got that twin guitar attack of, uh, on this album, it was Gene Allen and Tony Matusik. I mean, they're doing some fucking Judas Priest, fucking Iron Maiden sound shit, and some of it almost sounds like uh, Halloween as well. It's very fast and uh, just fucking phenomenal, dude. I love this song. It's just a great way to fucking begin the album. It just kicks you right in the fucking dick. Um, the very beginning, uh, you know, the backwards message he does, he's saying hello suckers, but it's played backwards, which is something he used to always, you know, he'd say to the crowd at the very beginning of the show. It's just phenomenal. A great way to kick off the album. And uh, this is what they used to call American power metal. This isn't that fucking pussy-ass European European power metal. You know, the shit that makes you turn into a virgin again when you listen to it. This is American power metal. Like, this shit actually has some fucking power to it. It's got some fucking balls. Uh, What do you think of it, guys? Uh, You want to go, Ian? Yeah, um... Well, I want to say I loved it right off the bat. Right when I heard the backwards, uh, you know, vocals, I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> you know, I was just like, we've had so many these fan episodes, and I, I know at nauseum I've been complaining about them, you know, but, you know, every once in a while, you know, there's something like Crimson Glory, which I was surprised. I didn't think I was going to like it, and I ended up loving it. This, I had, yeah, this I had a feeling I was going to like, but I didn't know I was going to like it this much. And as soon as it started, I was like, okay, I like that. And then the music kicked in, and I was like, fuck yeah. But one thing I noticed, um, I, I think the production on this album is horrible. Uh, it's self-produced by the band and Brian Slagle. And it, it sounds like something that came out on, uh, you know, on Metal Blade at that time. And, you know, there's... There's a charm about it, but then there's also, like, I'm listening to it, I'm like, man, with with better production, I really think this band would have been appreciated a little bit more. But then again, you know, with better production and a better label, not that Metal Blade's bad, but you know what I mean, a, a label that could promote it better. Um, I, I think that they would have been appreciated better because of the guitar work on this. 
I love the guitars on this, and it's very steep in Maiden and Priest, and, you know, you call it American Power Metal. Uh, I wouldn't insult it like that. I just think it's, <laughs> you, you know, and what, what you know, uh, Ralph said earlier before we started recording, this is traditional, you know, metal. You know, this is what I think, when I think of metal, before metal got, you know, you got to look at this. This is 85, so... Cock Rock is starting to show its head, but it hasn't taken over yet. Um, but I see very much influence of both American metal and the new wave of British heavy metal. New wave of British heavy metal in the guitar point. Uh, but the rest of it, I see very early American 80s heavy metal. Uh, but, but I loved it. I just, you know, just right off the bat, I'm like, okay. This is cool. It's new, yet it's familiar. Okay, I'm like, yes, this is stuff I grew up with. This is in my wheelhouse, you know. Even though it's new to me, the sound is very familiar. The vibe of it is very familiar. And uh, I, I, it just put a big smile on my face. Like, it's going to be okay. I'm going to enjoy this fucking record. And I love the first track. What do you think, Ralph? Yeah, I think it's the perfect opener, and this is uh, the second song I ever heard from them, because as I said, I bought that cassette, video cassette. They opened the show with this. I love the way that this album sounds. I can't really tell, like I told you, I'm very bad at production, and I love it. You know, I just love the way this whole thing sounds. I think it's a great in intro, fast as fuck. Just flat out awesome, man. Really, when I saw this, I mean, this is... When I saw the videotape and this song came on, I mean, by the time I got to the next song, I was sold. I was like, I need to buy Love to Pieces. I need to buy this, you know, I already knew <laughs> because of this song alone. And then it goes into Psychopath, which was one of the songs he played the night I saw him. The only time I see, dude, I freaked out. You know, it's like, this is one of my favorite Lizzie Bourne tracks and it has such an amazing flow. It's like melodic rocking and kind of diabolical. And man, I think, personally, I think Lizzie Borden looks creepier than Blackie Lawless, Alice Cooper, and Marilyn Manson. I think he just has this really creepy face and that, you yeah. know, the, the little, that, you know, the two front teeth a little spread apart. And uh, it's just something about, you know, his image, like the wild hair, that, that hair's out of control. I mean, look, <laughs> you look at that fucking, it's like, holy shit, dude, this guy has no shame. That is some fucked up hair, you know? And he teased it to the skies. And, you know, he's, uh, when I saw him do this song, he's wielding an axe and hacking this chick inside a box. And, like, you know, you see the blood, like a bloodstream coming out of the box, and he puts his face in it, and he drinks it, and, you know, kind of like Gene Simmons with the blood coming out of his mouth. And it was just, dude, it was so fucking badass, dude. Like, Axe murderers rule, bro. I'm telling you. And so does this song, man. I, I love it. I love Psychopath. It's fucking awesome. What do you think, Eric? Oh, man, I fucking love Psychopath. You know, you start off with a fast, like, fucking almost speed metal song, and then you kind of slow it down to this just real creepy-ass fucking song. And, and, oh, my God, I love it when he does this song, like, on the on that video because he's got the hot bitch out there and lingerie, and he's just, like, stalking her all throughout the stage, you know, 
chops her up in the box with the freaking axe, spitting blood. And I, I agree with you, man. You know, he, he does a lot of them. He has a lot of cool, like creepy looking masks, but I think he looked creepiest like in the 80s when he had like his his big fro, you know, and just like some of the some of the faces he makes, man. It's just like he just he looks like the kind of guy that'd be like a fucking serial killer or something. It's just such a fucking killer song and uh you know I, I love too like you know Lizzie Borden with every album he kind of did something different and he almost kind of modified and changed the the Lizzie Borden character and this one was definitely more like horror themed you know all the songs like the way he dressed in the stage show was very like uh, it was very reminiscent of like a lot of horror movies whereas each other album he kind of modified his character like the next album, he was a military kind of apocalyptic uh, Mad Max general, you know, like other albums. He just always modified the character. And this one was where he was like, you know, the most like Alice Cooper-ish, like horror kind of character. And I just fucking, I love Psychopath, man. It's a fucking killer song. And it's even better when you see it live and he does the whole, all the theatrics with it. Yeah, that, that, that chick in that video, I believe that's his wife. I heard, so I talked, I know a guy, he's kind of, like, on the end with, like, Lizzie Borden. He knows, like, Lizzie and his people. Uh, he said she was actually married to uh, the bass player for a while. Okay. Yeah. Because I was always curious about that, too, because I always kept hearing rumors that that was, like, his wife or something at the time. But apparently she uh, she was with the bass player. Ah. But, oh, that's a hot-ass chick, too. Oh, Yeah. Is that the chick from the album cover? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. I love that album cover, too. I like the fact that it's this hot chick on the bed in a motel, and you kind of see his reflection in the mirror, but you don't fully see him, so it's kind of creepy, like, because you can't really make out, like, how he fully looks, but you can just tell he he just looks creepy, man, with that bro. He looks like a goddamn serial killer. (laughs) Yeah, well, I, I gotta tell you, I love this song, too. And, uh, you know, I want to ask you guys, are, you know, Eric, you talked about the different incarnations and personas that he took on. The uh, the live, the Metal Mask or, or whatever video. Murder's what Metal. What tour is Murder's Metal? What tour is that from? Is that from this from one? That's from this album. Because he only does okay. songs from this album and now the EP. And he actually said, too, when they recorded that, that was actually the last, that was the last show for the Love You the Pieces tour. And he said after that, they completely kind of abandoned that stage set and they moved on to a new you know the menace to society kind of stage show that they had and and actually too he mentioned that uh they did that show they didn't do a sound check or anything so what you see is basically like one take you know they didn't have a they couldn't re-record anything or they didn't do a sound check for safety i kind of tore that was like five shows or something I mean, they were basically, like, touring, like, clubs probably at that point. So it was probably, like, a bunch of shows. They probably had perfected that stage show to a T at that point. I think they only played California, though, man. Maybe they ventured to Phoenix, maybe. Yeah. Nice. Uh, I've got to check that out. Definitely got to see that. Oh, you need to. Uh, um, yeah, I love this song. Uh, the first thing I thought of when I heard it was, like, okay, yeah, I can hear the maiden love on this. And to me, it sounded like, you know, that intro sounded like some Deano made, which really gets me excited. Um, absolutely loved it. Uh, I, I think it totally works. 
<laughs> but then there's there's parts of it where I was like, oh shit, did Alice Cooper sue him on this one? Because you definitely get, you know, you definitely get some Alice Cooper vibes. You know, I get some Ballad of the White Fry vibes on this. Um, and I wish, I wish I would have watched the video uh, before I saw this so I could put it into context, like what he does in the live show. But just as a song, it works really good. And when when I bitch about the production, oddly enough, I think what's, to my ears, what suffers the most is the vocals and the drumming, which is odd because uh, we haven't brought this up yet, that the only two constant members of this band are the drummer and Lizzie and their brothers. Yep, Joey Scott. Yeah, yeah. Um, but man, the drum sound on this, I think, could be so much better. And it's not like, it's not, I don't have an issue with the drumming. It's just the way it's recorded yeah. and the sound, I, I, I think, could be a lot better. I think it kind of dates it, but not necessarily in a good way. But the, the guitar playing is so good. That's one thing that really stuck out to me on this album, was I love twin guitars on this. <laughs> and uh, and hearing that, that definite influence of the new wave of British heavy metal. Uh, but yet there's something very all-American about it at the same time. Uh, you know, very, very odd. But I absolutely love this song. And I'll take the next one. And... I'm so glad I, w I was like paying attention when I did this because this is one I don't own a physical copy. Mr. X got me the Lizzie Borden discography. And every once in a while, there's a fuck up with it. And the songs were mislabeled. Oh my and God. I was like, yeah, I, thought you were gonna, I was hoping you'd point that out because it's like some of them are like the track listings all different. Yeah, and that's what it was. But it would not, you know, not only was, you know, it was mislabeled. And I was like, wait a minute, this isn't this. And uh, But we get to uh, uh, Save Me is the next song. And I absolutely love this fucking song. To me, it was everything uh, that I loved about early 80s metal at that time. And, and this came out in 85, and it's just... Man, it really took me back to that moment because I got into metal in 85. And there was that brief moment when I got into it, and like I talked about earlier, like like cock rock was creeping up, but there was still like there was still a heaviness to it. It wasn't full blown MTV shit yet, and it wasn't it wasn't the ballad era just yet. Even though '85 is when Home Sweet Home came out, but the thing is, you know, there, there's post Home Sweet Home cock rock. And that's when, you know, you got the formula of the, you know, the second single was the ballad, blah, 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 you know. And it was more about the look, you know. 85 was the cusp of where it was still about the metal. And it was still about the music. And I just, I fucking love this track. I, I think it's killer. And I was just, I had this smile you could not knock off my fucking face. Because I was like, God damn it, somebody picked a good fucking metal album that I am enjoying the piss out of. And it didn't feel like a chore. It felt like a pleasure to listen to this album. I dig it. What do you think, Ralph? Um, I love this song. It reminds me a lot in the verses of Children of the Damned from Maiden. 
And this may be the catchiest track off this album. It's actually one of my favorites off it, though. I think it's kind of a deep track. Uh, I love the, the, the great changes and flow. Save Me is another one of my favorites on here. I think it's, you know, the Dark Horse. It's awesome. I love it. What do you think, Eric? Oh, Save Me. This song's phenomenal. And honestly, I think they kind of fucked up by not making this a single. This, this song's just phenomenal. To me, it, it sounds like something that could have been on Shot the Devil uh, by Motley Crue or Out of the Cellar by Rat. You know, and sadly, you know, I, I don't think it could have ever been a hit. I think if Motley Crue or Rat released it, it would have been successful because, you know, they're... You know, they're pretty boys, whereas Lizzie Bourne looks like Ogie Ogothorpe from Slapshot. You know, and uh, at this point, 80, at this point in 85, man, it's like that's when it started to shift. That's when, like, looks were all that mattered. You know, and I, I think that's what kind of hurt Lizzie Borden, too, was just the fact that they came at the wrong time. They came at a time when, like, pretty boys and, like, good-looking guys were, like, what sold music and not the music itself. But, man, this song is just so catchy. You know, it, like I said, it should have been a single on the fucking album because I think the song could have some pretty good success. It's it's just perfect, man. And uh, probably my favorite solo on the album, too. It's just a great song. All right. Well, why don't you take Red Rum? Red Rum. Oh, man. Great song. And this is where, like, you know, like you, you and Ralph always say, this is, like, my least favorite song on the album, but this is, like, a 10 out of 10 song. You know, it's like the, you know, my least favorite blowjob I came to. This song fucking kicks ass. This one has a lot of Twisted Sister in it. You know, it has those gang vocals, and it's a song, you know, basically lyrically about The Shining, which, you know, come on, you write a song about The Shining, man. What a badass horror movie. Uh, fucking great song, man. And Joey Scott, man, very underrated drummer, in my opinion. Uh, guy's phenomenal. He, he actually follows me on Instagram, and I'm, I'm trying to get Lizzie Borden to come to Rockin' Pod. I've been trying to help Chris Sinzak out with that, so hopefully that happens, but, man, Red Rum, just fucking phenomenal song. Love it. Uh, Ralph, what do you think of it? Because you're the you're a fan of The Shine. That's your, like, one of your favorite movies of all time. Yeah, man. I mean, what better subject is there for a metal song than The Shiny? Uh, I love it, man. It's classic. Total traditional 80s metal with some badass guitar duels, catchy chorus, hard driving track. I absolutely love Red Rum. Uh, I would say also it's one of my favorites on here. I, I, I think this shit's classic. And yes, again, I discovered this on the videotape. It was on the set. So That's the one where he like beat the shit out. He had that Tabor like on a noose and he was like tearing it apart yeah. at the end, which is awesome. Yeah, at the end, he's biting into it and all the foam. Achoo! Hell yeah, first sneeze ever on the Rock and Metal <laughs> podcast. I was going to say, I don't think I ever heard anyone sneeze on this oh, show man. before. I, dude, Ian, goddamn, bro, that was groundbreaking fucking podcast <laughs> right there. <laughs> but uh, yeah, dude, fucking great song. I love Red Rum. How about you, Ian? Oh, by the way, uh, it's murder backwards. I'm sure you guys didn't know that. Really? I, I didn't no. know. I come here with it. I am the rock sponge. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. This song is so good. Stephen King wrote a book about it. And Stanley Kubrick made a movie about it. Uh, I love it. I, th this is one. I was actually, I was scared of this one. Because I thought this could go really bad really quick. I'm like, okay, Red Brown. 
All right. Obviously, it's a shining song. Is it going to be you know, like too too cheesy? You know, is it you know just like don't don't fuck this up? And I heard it, and I fucking loved it. I was like, fuck yeah! I mean, I was just the smile on my face listening to this, and uh, I had some shit go on today. I didn't get to listen to the album. Uh, as many times as I wanted to, I had to take notes on a first listen. Uh, and, but I, I didn't need another listen, man. I got this right away. I was like, oh, fuck yeah. This is good. Just good fucking 80s metal. And uh, I, I just, I, I can't say it enough. I mean, this is two albums. I mean, so these are the only two albums I've listened to in their entire from Lizzie Borden. But I'm, I'm going to check out the other stuff in this era. I, I'll give the other stuff another chance. Uh, but just for fans of the show, man, I, I just I love when I discover something new that's old that I can say with 100%, you know, if you're listening to this episode, go get this album. Uh, they put it on vinyl. In 2018, they re-released it on vinyl. And I would love to listen to this shit on vinyl. Oh, uh, I've had it on vinyl since '85, bro. Right. I had right. this on vinyl, but it got lost when I was moving. I'm, I'm hoping I find it again, but it, I got like you know the remaster from Mel Blade came with, like a poster, and so uh, I'm hoping I find it, man. Cause it, it does. It sounds great on vinyl. You're not gonna find it, dude. I stole it. Oh <laughs> shit! I knew it. It, not, it, not, it was like while you were moving, I snatched it and I made it look like you just lost it in the movie. Oh, so, so the. the the one that you had, Eric, uh, was the the 2018 re-release. Yes. Oh, uh, was it was it 180 gram? Do you know, or was yes. it just a regular? Oh man, yeah, I got oh, I got to pick amazing. this up. Oh, I would love to hear this on vinyl. Well, I, I got I got. I had the original press from Metal Blade, and you know, I mean, they didn't have a lot of money. It was a flex, right. It was a flexi disc. Oh shit! I, I'm kidding. <laughs> Uh, no, man, I, w- I would love to pick this up. I'm, I'm looking up on Discogs, actually, when we get done doing this. Because I, w- I would love to fucking have this. Red Rum kicks fucking ass. Uh, I'll go into the title track, Love You to Pieces. Uh, man, I-, I dug this. I was a little bit worried when I could hear, you know, not so much a ballad um, as it just is a slower tempo song but i always get scared you know when i when i can tell it's a little you know moody and and less metal i'm like okay this could this could go very bad quick but that's listening with you know advanced ears i should have known in my head in 1985 you know it's not gonna go fucking you know uh white snake on you know there's still gonna be some metal shit to it and I think it fucking, it kicks ass. Deserves to be title track. Uh, I might complain later in this episode about the placement of it. But, man, what a way to end side one. I mean, to me, wow, five five for five. These are all great fucking songs. No complaints. I absolutely love Love You to Pieces. What do you think, Eric? Oh man, this is actually tied for my. It's tied with another track as my favorite song on the fucking album. 
I fucking love this song. And, uh, you know, Motley Crue, I always say this all the time, man. Motley Crue tried to do the same thing with You're All I Need off Girls, Girls, Girls. And, man, fuck that pussy-ass song. It's like, oh, yeah, it has demented lyrics. But it's like, man, that's some Brian Adams pussy-sounding shit. This is a (laughs) badass fucking metal ballad with demented lyrics. And this is, again, where I'm talking about, you know, the Lizzie Bourne changing his character. This is like the Lizzie Bourne character for the Love You to Pieces album. You know, he's like this psychopathic killer and like, you know, you know, it's like a song about, you know, this girl that wants to leave him. So he, you know, kills her and buries her in the backyard, man, some demented shit, but it sounds like a beautiful ballad. And uh, I, I just love this fucking song. It's just so eerie, but yet so like amazing, you know, the instrumentals, his vocals on this. And I love when he does this live because this song comes right after Psychopath, where after he chops the girl up, they do that guitar intro, and all of a sudden Lizzie Bourne pulls out a severed head. And all throughout the song, he's just singing to like this severed head, all demented. And there's even a point in the show too where I think he's like making it look like the the severed head's giving him head, and it's freaking awesome. You know, I just great fucking song. It's just so creepy and so demented, and just it works. You know. Very much like something like maybe like an Al, you know, like Alice Cooper would do back in the day. I love it. Tied from a third song on the album. Uh, what do you think, Doctor Fuck? I think this song has the best writing. This song kind of like, and yeah, you know, it's not my favorite. It's one of my favorites. But I think as far as every song on here, this is the most well executed written song. And I think the musicianship on this song is like the best musicianship on this album. Which all these songs have great musician but it's the execution <clears throat> of the song that's very impressive to me was from day one and uh and yes it's another song about killing your girlfriend and not that i agree with this and neither does ian unless your gr- <laughs> unless your girlfriend sammy hagar <laughs> yes yes then ian's all for that <clears throat> yes all right next is american metal right yep right. i think so yeah, he played it that night, man. This is an anthem and a half, man. Came out wrapped up in an American flag during it, and it was awesome. Oh my God, Lizzie Borden. Do you have hot chicks, uh, <laughs> hot chicks dancing on stage with like American flag bikinis too? No, no. Oh, he must have started doing that later. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, this is uh, you know a kick-ass '80s anthem, and with gang vocals. I mean, yep. it's, it's like 60 people are in that fucking studio and <clears throat> of course you have to stop the band during a fucking metal anthem and just have them scream the chorus with just a drum beat that's awesome it's like you know red white and blue for me to you i love when he says that it's like fuck yeah america man fuck you russia we are american metal not your gorky park bullshit you know, let me tell you something. Da, 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 da. Yeah, <laughs> let me tell you something, you fucking Ruskies. You can suck my motherfucking red, white, and blue dick and do it soon because I need to go to the free clinic because of my red, white, and blue dick. <laughs> this song, and I, I'm telling you, bro, back then there was a Keel song about metal generation. Any fucking anthemic song about heavy metal, oh, I'm in. And, you know, yes, it's it's a youthful thing. You know, metal's never going to die. You know, I just, dude, that shit stuck to me. That It's like Gorilla Glue. It can't come off of me. 
I love any fucking song that's old school metal about heavy metal, which is an anthem talking about how heavy metal will never die. And dude, this is total. You know, I mean, at one time when I I thought this was the greatest song ever from Lizzie Boy, I, I think different now, but it's the, definitely the best anthem. American metal fucking owns. What do you think, uh, uh, Eric? <clears throat> oh man, this song fucking rules, man. Uh, everything you said, man. It's just, I fucking love anthem songs like this, where it's like heavy metal will never fucking die. You know, I I love shit like that. It makes me feel like a fucking you know kid again. You know, I love it. The song makes me just want to drink a ton of beers while driving a Trans Am with an American flag while a you know, real hot blonde chick, you know, eats apple pie off my balls, you know, and and then crash into a bunch of fucking commies, you know. This song's fucking American as fuck. I fucking love it. Great fucking song, and, uh, you know, sounds almost like something like Twisted Sister would do. I said that, too, with uh, you know, another song on here. It's just they got that gang vocals on there. It's just, I feel like Twisted Sister, you know, if they did this song, it could have been a bigger hit than what it was. What do you think, Ian? Uh, I fucking love it. It's cheesy as fuck, but goddamn, is it fun. And, uh, yeah, it makes me feel patriotic, goddammit. I'm not gonna be like Donald Trump and get pissed on by a Russian hooker. I'm gonna piss on a Russian hooker. Goddammit. Yeah. yeah, I am the pisser. This is fun. It, it is. It's just, it's fun. It's fucking cheesy. But you can't deny it, and that and that's what I love about it. You know, you can't. You know, there's parts of it you'll laugh at, but you're gonna bang your fucking head to it. And uh, but oh man, does he borrow from some Cooper at the end, where he's doing like the, you know the little talk over and everything, and yeah. it, it reminds me so much of Cooper, and you know like even something like I Love America, you know, and and, and Cooper was always great at doing that kind of shit. You know, throwing in the little humor and the little stuff like that. But it just works. I, I know there's not an original bone in this song, but I don't give a fuck. <laughs> there's nothing original in America. God damn it, we steal from everybody. You know, but I love it, and I respect it, and just what a fun track. You know, and this is another one. Just looking at the title, and I was like, okay, this, this has the ability to go off the rails very fast. This could be really stupid. Loved it. Loved it. All right. I'll take the next song. Flesh Eater. Or, yeah. That's, yeah. Flesh Eater. Uh, just another solid track, man. And I'm pretty impressed. At this point, this is the, the second song on side two. We're seven songs in. And I am still entertained. I am still like, fuck yeah. You know, I'm waiting for that one song like, okay, you know, here, here's the one where I see why Lizzie Borden didn't make it farther than they did. But right now, you know, we're seven songs deep and I'm like, I don't get it. Why wasn't this fucking bigger? You know, and I'm really fucking pissed because while you guys were talking, I was doing a little search online. You can't even find this on vinyl on Amazon. I went on Discogs, and oh, you can't you even. Yeah, and I you can't. I bought mine off Amazon. Yeah, Amazon doesn't have it available for sale. I went on Discogs, and the cheapest you can get it, uh, every copy came from Europe. So what's going to kill you is the fucking oh. ship. 
What's yeah. going to kill kill you is the shipping. So you're not getting this if you live in the colonies here under $40 on vinyl. But it is a 180-gram repressing, and the fuck, I wanted it so bad. I can't pull the trigger on that today. I'm hoping I can find it, you know. I'm going to start. I can't wait to hit Seattle and hit, like, the record stores. This would be a great find. Uh, but, man, I want this motherfucker on vinyl. I am really, really digging this album so far, and I just want to say thank you, Eric, for picking this one. I'm glad uh, you liked it, man. I was I was a little nervous about if you're this is gonna be one you're gonna like or if this is gonna be one that wasn't gonna wasn't gonna hit you, you know. Well, I, I take you know, visualize was one I was like, okay, well, I like me against the world, but you know, what's the odds the rest of the shit's gonna be great? And you know, turns out, you know, me against the world wasn't even my favorite track on that album, and I really dug it. But like I said, between I, I think right after that episode. I downloaded the Master Disguise, and that wasn't grabbing me. And then I heard uh, the last album that they put out, like Midnight Things or something like that. Uh, yeah, I, that one was a grower. I will admit that was a grower, but I, yeah. I love it now. Yeah, well, I you know I only gave it like an initial listen, uh, and I didn't go back to it. I was just like, eh. So once again, like I said, I put this band on the back burner. Uh, and even when I was talking to Ralph, you know, he's like, what Lizzie Borden one are we doing? And I told him, and he goes, yeah, you know, you know, visualize is better, you know. So I was like, oh, I, I hope it's not bad. And while I will say that I overall I probably do like visualize better. Same. Uh, it, it It isn't a slant on this one. It's not like this isn't enjoyable. Because here we are, seven fucking songs in. And I love every fucking track. You know, Flesh Eater is no different. I think it's killer. What do you think, Ralph? Oh, this is like my third favorite, I'd say, on here. You know, I think you know, my top three songs are on here. On uh, the rest of this album. The, uh, the beginning reminds me a lot of Hellion from Wasp. You know, it's pretty much the same thing. But, man, what it goes into after that doesn't sound like the Hellion at all. And it just sounds so fucking, just killer, killer. Fucking no preservatives, traditional metal, man. Flesh Eater rules. Yeah, I'd say it's my third favorite. My top two are coming up. Nice. Um, all right, well, do I go next? Eric, you talk? Yeah, yeah, Flesh yeah. Eater. Uh, <laughs> yeah, take, take Warfare, Ralph. Oh, what an amazing time being in my late teens with music like this. You know, this, this, and this track has like quite a bit of hooks. Amazing musicianship once again, and that voice, that voice, that unique voice this guy's got. It's a total classic on this album. It's not even one of my top three, but I love it. What do you think there, Eric? Oh man, Warfare, man. Just a killer fucking song. Uh, another fucking fast fucking damn near almost borderline speed metal song uh just fucking killer lizzie born with those fucking screams and whatnot it's just this this album just doesn't light up man there's just there's no this album just leaves you leaves you wanting more it's just so fucking good love warfare what do you think of it wadzilla uh i would have to say that this is my least favorite so far but it, it's by no means a deal breaker. 
And something, you know, you got to remember, too, is I only got to listen to this once before the review. Uh, look at, you know, our, the previous episode of Crimson Glory. Hated it. Hated it the first fucking time I heard it. And then with each additional listen, I was like, oh, my God, this shit's fucking awesome. So maybe my opinion will change on this. Uh, again, I, it's not that I dislike Warfare whatsoever. This one just didn't grab me uh, as much as the first seven did. But then we'll take the next song, Godiva. Uh, man, I love the speed of this song. I love the guitars. Uh, but to me, it just didn't stand out as much. But I will say, there's definitely potential for this one to grow on. And I can see this being one of Ralph's favorites, just because of the speed of it and the intensity of it. And I like that, you know. But I've always said, so, you know, something just because something's metal uh, doesn't always make it right. You know, you know, there's still got to be a hook. There's got to be something. This one didn't grab me as much, but I definitely see potential of where this could be one of my favorites. Maybe it's just because after after Warfare, I was like, eh, I liked it, but it, you know, it did sometimes, uh, you know, it, that's what's important about song placement because sometimes it can influence because you can hear sometimes a song that comes after two songs that you don't like and you can either not appreciate it or you could over appreciate it. You know, sometimes you can you know, a song that's mediocre, you might be like, oh, it's really good just because the two before it sucked so bad. You know, but this is one I liked it, but I didn't love it. But I did like the overall feel of it. I love the speed of it, uh, the aggression of it. I just don't know if it hooked me as much as some of the other songs did. What do you think, Ralph? You, did you just say it's just because it's metal is not right? Right. Fucking A, man. <laughs> this, is my, this is my second favorite song on the album. I think metal is fuck, fast-paced madness, relentless, relentless track. Yeah, you were right. This is one of my favorites. My second favorite. Fast, everything, no fucking around. This is metal, and for me, metal is right. Well, you know what I mean. There's a lot of bands that call themselves metal, but it doesn't no, I don't mean. Know what you mean. Okay, bye. <laughs> I'm just playing around. I understand your poser. It's okay, bro. Yeah, what pose am I making right now, Jeff? I'm good. No, oh, you look like you're doing the Vogue. I can see you. Uh. Yeah, I, <laughs> I saw the camera right there. <laughs> Dietrich uh, and DiMaggio. Not Godiva, bro. Wow, what a song. <laughs> this, this shit is fucking awesome, bro. I love it. And yes, it was... Uh, it was actually a standout track, you know, before I bought this album on that uh, musically standout track on that videotape, you know, when they yeah. played this, I was like, fucking yay, man. This song is fucking awesome. It sounds so right. Um, do awesome. I, do I take the last one? No, 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 I, no. I, no, I, no. I Godava. Or, that's how I, because that's how he always, I think that's how he sings it when he, when he I think that's how he pronounces it when he sings it as Godava. But man, this, you know, this is the other song that's tied for my favorite on the fucking album. When I saw Lizzie Borden do this song on that videotape, and he's like, 
singing. He's like swinging that axe in the air and just jumping all around like a madman. The song is just so fucking fast. Uh, man, this song just fucking hooked me right in, man. He's just screaming his ass off on this tune. I fucking love it. Almost kind of reminds me of like Halloween. That's got that, you know, that fast, you know, that fast speed metal that Halloween did in the early days. And I saw that, you know, that build up towards the end, you know, the, it's very, or, you know, orgasmic as I like to call it, man. It's just like, he's like singing Gadava, he just keeps going higher and higher and just the instrumentation, the guitars are just getting louder and louder in the mix. And it's just fucking phenomenal song, man. Just, and watching it live is even better on that videotape. Yeah, it's a fucking burner, bro. You know, it almost kind of, you know, I, you know, it almost kind of reminds me of like that ending when he's kind of like going gadava, gadava, and it's just getting, getting louder and louder. You know, almost. Uh, it, it almost kind of reminds me of like how I felt when I first heard uh, "Exciter" by Judas Priest live, where it just keeps building and building and building, and just you get so freaking amped up hearing it. It gave me that same feeling that the ending of "Exciter" did. Yeah, 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 I, I totally hear that, man. It's got a great, great uh, build-up for the ending. Hell yeah. So what awesome. We- well, why don't you take the last track, Rod of Iron? Uh, which, me or Ralph? You, you, Eric. All right. Yeah. Rod of Iron, man. Fucking killer song. I, I kind of like how they end it with kind of like the, the epic song. Uh, it's it's pretty interesting. It's very different than most of the lyrics on the uh, the album. Most of the lyrics are like kind of horror themed, and this one's actually like uh, lyrically, it's about like the Book of Revelation. So this could very well have been a striper song, you know. Um, really cool song and a very interesting choice of lyrics that he he chose for this one. And there's actually a really cool like uh, performance of him doing this in like uh, you know like the 2000s. Because uh, nowadays he wears like a lot of masks on stage. That's kind of his thing. And, you know, with this song, it's like the Book of Revelation. It's like, you know, the song, he's like singing it through uh, the perspective of like an angel and like the perspective of like the devil. And so when he's singing like the parts of like the angel, he has his back turned to the crowd. And he has like a more like blue, like angelic looking mask on the back of his head. When he sings like the evil, like, you know, parts that like it's the devil singing, he turns around and he has like the creepiest looking like devil mask on. And it's just so cool, man. I love it. It's just, it's real epic. And apparently this, I think this was the song they gave Brian Slagle. I heard a, an interview with uh, Lizzie Borden where he talked about this is the song they gave Brian Slagle uh, to listen to, you know, with their demo, they gave it to him to, you know, Hey, well, you know, will you listen to us and maybe consider signing us or putting us on the metal massacre compilation. And he was working at a record store. He liked the song so much that he started playing it actually in the record store of the PA system. And Lizzie Bourne said that was like the coolest thing for him and the band was just hearing their music being played in a, in a record store for a bunch of kids to hear. But I love this song, man. It's just, it's a great way to end an album, you know, with the, the epic track. Uh, uh, Ralph, what do you think of the song? I saw you posted it earlier on the Rock and Metal uh, Combat uh, Facebook page. Yeah, because I was listening to Metal Massacre 4 today. Because of, you know, knowing that, you know, we were going to listen to this album, I was like, oh, man, you know what? I want to hear Rod of Iron because this is a song that turned me on to it. It's a different recording. It's more primitive. I mean, if you think this album is primitive, Ian, you got to hear this version. But this, oh, yeah. This version I like more, I guess, is Timeline. 
but there's something more gritty and evil. And when he's like, Savior, yours is dead. Not very striper there, fucking Eric. <laughs> a little bit striper, but like, you know, like you touch on it. And and it was it was uh a, you know, I, I it's hard for me to say it's the best track on Metal Massacre 4, but it definitely was a standout track. The one that made me take notice. The one band I wanted more than all the bands on there, you know, when I saw because a lot of those bands didn't have albums. And some did. You know, Trouble. I love the Trouble track on there, but I wanted this one first. I was like, I need to get, you know, this Lizzie Borden album. You know? uh, when I heard, uh, when I, you know, saw it was, uh, and then, you know, honestly, the, I, it took me a little warming up to because I wasn't used to that version that's on this album. I love it now. I still prefer the Metal Master because I guess it was so special for me at the time. And not only is this my favorite track off the album, it's my overall favorite Lizzie Borden song. I think this is his stairway to heaven. This is fucking just amazing. His free bird, whatever you want to call it. I think this is the standout Lizzie Borden track over everything he's done. And it may have to do with timeline, may have to do with the first time I heard it, but this song, and it's got, it doesn't sound like Dio, but it sounds like something Dio would do. And it was just fucking, it's just amazing. Rod of Iron is like one of the greatest metal songs ever, in my opinion. That's what I think. All right, well, I mean, I definitely, I, I get what, Eric's saying with the, the, the Striper connection, because uh, Rod of Iron is what Striper fans want in their ass. Um, <laughs> hey, you, but, know, uh, you know, Ian, you know I am a Striper fan. Oh, I love yeah. that Striper. And I, and yeah. I also want to say, you saying us Striper fans want to rot up my ass? You know, <laughs> seriously, dude, you are right. <laughs> I know, I know. But, but I nailed it. I, I know that you want it wrapped in the body of a hot woman too, though. You, you know? know, you know way too much about me. <laughs> I do, I do. I love you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, I like this song. I do. And again, I could see this one as growing on me. And I really want to go and check out the Metal Masker version after hearing Ralph talk about it. I do have those Metal Maskers. Um, I, I need to check them out. I have them, and I haven't listened to them. I think I've got, like, 17 Metal Masters. Uh, I've got them all. I'd like to check it out. I do like this song. Um, again, I, I don't know if I see this album as front-loaded, uh, and it was just an initial first listen. This might grow on me. I prefer Love You to Pieces to this one. If you're, if you're going for, like, I, I don't even want to call them power ballads. I want to just call them like like a slower tempo number, and I think like a, a really, and it's funny hearing you guys talk about the live show where they would do Psychopath and Love You to Pieces back to back, and even though they're not that way on the album, I think that would have been a perfect way to end this album. Uh, I do like the song. Just not as much as you guys, but again, I mean, there's no song on here I didn't like. Just some I like more than others. But I would really, I'm really interested to hear. I'm going to do it tonight after we're done. I'm going to listen to the Metal Masker version because I can see this album benefit. I mean, this song uh, benefited from 
maybe being even a little bit more raw. As much as I bitched about the production on this, uh, there's something about this. I can see like a more stripped down version of this uh, having a better effect on me. And again, timeline is everything, so I can see why Ralph, you know, that's the version you heard first was the Metal Master. Uh, but man, I, I cannot bitch about this album. This was a pleasure to listen to. Um, now, I don't know, did you guys, do any of you have the 2001 reissue with the bonus tracks? Nah, I heard the bonus tracks. I wasn't too big on them. Yeah. I, I didn't listen to them, uh, you know, for, for time reasons. But just, you know, so the listeners know, there was a 2001 re-release that had a song called Wild One that was a demo Whiplasher was a live demo. There's a live demo of Warfare, and there's a demo for a song called Dirty Pictures. Just so everybody knows that they're out there, if you get the, I, that's probably on the CD reissue. Uh, but man, this thing sounds so good. I tell everybody to save up their money, uh, like I'm gonna have to do, and get the 180 gram on this, man, because I really want this on fucking vinyl now. I'm pissed it's, it, I have to pay that much money. Probably when it came out on Metal Blades, would have, you know, I probably could have picked it up for twenty bucks. I mean, you know, I what, what did you pay when you initially picked this up, Eric? Um, you know, I can't even remember, but I bought it off Amazon. It was probably like you know a standard price of like a one eighty gram vinyl, probably like you know at least thirty bucks minimum. But okay. oh, it's dude, it sounded so fucking good, and it came with like a poster. It came with a pretty cool uh, color sheet where it had like photos from the tour, which obviously Lizzie Borden, you want to see photos from from their live performances because that's some cool shit, you know? Yeah, I yeah, paid, yeah. I paid like less than eight bucks because I remember yeah. like, oh, <laughs> I, I, back in the day, dude. I'd go to record stores knowing I'm only gonna come home with one record because I'd only have ten bucks on it. You know, it'd be like, like you know, because I needed the other money for rent and shit. But I'd always have ten bucks aside to go buy a metal album, and this was maybe like seven ninety nine plus tax, you know. So, but it's a, you know that's how it was in the eighties. All the vinyl was like seven ninety nine and shit. It was all cheap back then. Right. I was actually talking about me and Edwin recorded an episode last night uh, talking about Deep Purple and Rock, and that was actually the first album I ever bought on vinyl with my own money. And I was talking about, like, because it was, I bought it at the time right before, like, vinyl, like, you know, had a resurgence in popularity. And, man, dude, I could go to, like, a mom-and-pop record store with, like, you know, 20 bucks and walk out with, like, a, a big stack of vinyls. Whereas nowadays, if you go in a record store with, like, 20 bucks, it's like, you'll be lucky if you can get, like, one album. You know, it's, you know, that's probably why I don't collect too much vinyl, because it's just, it's so expensive. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's a dance. Especially post pandemic. Yeah, fucking hipsters ruined it. <laughs> Deep Purple and Rock was the first for you. It was the first for me too, and hopefully the last because Deep Purple and Rock was the first time that I threw up on this ep- on this fucking podcast. <laughs> oh, I remember that. That's a legendary episode. <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah, I ended up in some stranger's house. I yeah, that's the that's... best was when I heard the whole story of what happened afterwards. It's like what the fuck? Yeah, insanity. I, I think that's still my wife's favorite episode. <laughs> she says, I just she, says she, lo- she goes, I've never heard Ralph that drunk. And she goes, and when you called and you heard your own ringtone, you're like, cool. Yeah, you're, I love, yeah, <laughs> I love you, that. You, 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 you have the, you the ringtone. 
You didn't know your my ringtone for you was here about it later, and you called <laughs> and you heard here about it later on the recording. You're like, cool Van Halen. <laughs> He's like, hey, brother. I love your message, though. Where you're like, you, you sound like actually like legit concerned, but you're like, hey, brother, uh, you know, I, you know, uh, you sound pretty drunk. You're throwing up, and I heard you like the elder from Kiss, so I, I know you're pretty <laughs> fucked up. <laughs> oh, oh, I can't believe I haven't brought this up on on uh, the show yet, but it's so funny. The street uh, where I live now, the street in front of me is Elder Street. Oh, I'm where like, are you getting that elder tattoo? God damn it! I, I I know I gotta get somewhere where you won't see it. So I got I gotta get it like under one of my chins. You know? <laughs> Nobody can see it. You gotta get it on your uh, ass. That's an it's an exit only. <laughs> yeah, that's where it belongs. Uh, but this album, this is a killer one, and this has been our review. This album was released June first, nineteen eighty five, on Metal Blade Records. Uh, produced by Lizzie Borden with executive producer Brian Slagle. And wow. Uh, Randy Burns was the engineer on this. A lot of you that know, uh, you know, Randy Burns big in the, you know, early thrash and death metal era, uh, you know, producer and engineer. Uh, really dug this one, man. I was so happy. Not only to, to finally have you on the show, Eric, uh, you know, because he's been such a great longtime, you know, fan of the show. But just to review an album that's like classic 80s metal. And again, it, it's such a surprise for me because it's new to me. Uh, you guys, you know, got definitely more history. But I love every second of this. It was a pleasure to listen to. And uh, man, this is, this is the kind of... I wish there was more fan episodes like this. You know, <laughs> I was hoping uh, I picked a good one that you would like. <laughs> yeah, and then and, and I'm you know everybody who donated. I'm I'm sorry, you know, if we shit on the album that you got, but you know this was a fun one to do, and uh, yeah, this definitely stayed in my rotation. I'm glad you le- you left it single and said, you know, I'm sorry we bashed the shit you yeah. left. <laughs> I am not yeah. sorry, not one bit. Fuck you all. Yeah, hey, just just be glad nobody picked uh, Smashing Pumpkins, Melancholy and Infinite Sadness. Oh, God. Because <laughs> that's a double album that you would hate. Oh, I, I remember Edwin wanted to review that because we, uh, we wanted to review a double album, just the two of us, and he threw that one out. I'm like, yeah, I, we'll review Smashing Pumpkins, but I'm not reviewing a fucking double album of Smashing Pumpkins. Like, yeah, get out of that shit. Oh, uh. Oh, God, I'd, I'd hate to listen to that again. I remember when I bought that. There was like a, a handful of songs I loved, and there was like a fistful of songs I never, ever want to hear again. Oh, you actually oh. spent money on that shit? Oh, yeah. Well, oh, I love, uh, what was that, Bullet with Butterfly Wings? When that That's the out. only song I liked. Because <laughs> I, I loved Gish. When Gish came out, I thought that was a great album. When Siamese Dream came out, I didn't really care for Siamese Dream. And that's when they blew up. I was like, eh. And then, you know, when, when Melancholy came out, I heard Bullet with Butterfly Wings, and I was like probably 20 years old when that came out, 1920. I was like, oh, yeah. You know, but then, you know, I heard the whole album. Oh, God, what a bunch of filler. I remember my, I remember hearing Bullet with the Butterfly Wings, like, on the radio, and, like, I loved it. And I told my mom, like, who is that? And she's like, Smashing Pumpkins. And she's like, I, I have that song on CD. So I grabbed her, she had like the best of Smashing Pumpkins, 
And I remember, I thought the song was called Rat in a Cage, so I was going fucking nuts trying to find that fucking song. Like, where the <laughs> fuck is this song at? You know, and I, I found out it was Bullet with the Butterfly Wings. I'm like, oh. Well, <laughs> I, I, I'd like to apologize again to the audience. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about Smashing Pumpkins and actually liking one of their songs. Um, uh, uh, sincere apologies. And also apologize to everybody out there that likes Butterfly Wings with bullets and all that bullshit. Uh, <laughs> all, you, all you listeners that like that, I want to, again, apologize to all the listeners that doesn't like it because you, you're in a fan base that likes that crap. All right. Well, now it's time to go into Pick of the Week. Rath, sing the Pick of the Week song. It's that time of the week where you have to say Ian before Ralph and throw Eric in there too. Ralph is the last to say his Pick of the Week. Yes, it's <laughs> I for Pick of the Week. And be- because Eric is our special guest, Eric, go first with your Pick of the Week. So I had two, and I, I, I had to narrow it down to one. Um, so I guess I'm going I'm to go with the music one. And uh, me and Edwin recorded an episode last night. We reviewed, obviously, Deep Purple and Rock, and we reviewed it with a really badass fucking band. They're a band called Dream Machine. I've been posting some of their videos uh, on multiple, you know, my page for the Rock All Over You podcast and the Rock and Metal Combat podcast page. But they're called Dream Machine, and they're a kick-ass, like, retro-sounding band, and they're very Blue Oyster Cult. If I could, like, pick one band to compare them to, they sound a hell of a lot like Blue Oyster Cult. Well, let me tell you something. That's something I definitely need to check out. Oh, Yeah. And for you guys and for all the listeners, I definitely recommend the album that Edwin recommended that I listened to first called The Illusion. Very kick-ass. It's probably their heaviest album, in my opinion. But it's a very strong, like, Blue Oyster Cult influence. But there's also a lot of elements of Deep Purple, you know, like Mach 2 Deep Purple. And also a lot of elements of Sabbath. Like, uh, the second song on on that album called Eye for an Eye, it's almost like a, a faster, more sped-up version of a National Acrobat. But they're fucking phenomenal, you know. It's a, it's a husband and wife duo, and they just they kick so much ass. And it, they're also like Blue Oyster Cult in the fact that they both sing, and each one has their own style. Like you know the, the girl Doris, she has her own kind. Of, her songs have their own unique style, and uh, you know the the you know the her husband, he has his own distinct style. So it's like you kind of each one of their songs has something different to the table. So it's just. Every song something different. It takes you on a different journey. And they also follow Ian the, the rule of 10. I even complimented them nice. on that when we did the episode where they, they keep their albums under 40 minutes and they keep it, you know, at least like 10 tracks. So I recommend go listen to The Illusion by Dream Machine. And if you like that album, they got two other albums that are equally amazing. Uh, classic 70s hard rock sound, uh, very much like Blue Oyster Cult. Nice. Well, I will check that out, and I know Ralph will check out Dolores Latours. <laughs> but uh, fuck yeah, man! Oh, and love giving uh, you know props to a to a newer band to a you know are they an unsigned band? I would take a local band. That's um, they were man. they were signed to a label and they got dropped, so I believe they're like independent now. But uh, like I said, man, they're they're phenomenal. And, the big thing too is, I mean, there's some bands that they have that retro sound, they have it down perfectly, but they can't write songs as good as like, you know, 
those bands that they're trying to imitate. But this band, they they can write songs that are fucking amazing, and they also capture the sound of like the early '70s. So it's like they got the best of both worlds going for them. Yeah, you know what, man? Nine times out of ten, with me, bands that get dropped rule. They're, they're, oh yeah, they're usually really cool bands that get dropped by labels that most of them I really dig. So I have a feeling I'm gonna dig this shit. So thanks, I'll check it out for sure. Hell yeah! All right, all right. All right well, I'm gonna go into my pick of the week, and uh, my pick of the week is a soundtrack to a movie. I'm very, I, I love the movie. I just bought the 4K. Uh, haven't got a chance to watch it yet because I'm introducing my wife to the world of David Lynch. And I didn't know if she was ready for this movie yet, so I, I've kind of started her off on Twin Peaks. And uh, uh, she's loving it. But the soundtrack that I'm picking, and I think is phenomenal, is the soundtrack to Lost Highway. Uh, a movie I'm a huge fan of. Um, but the soundtrack I just think is amazing. I mean, it's got, you know, it's David Lynch. So you got Angelo, uh, Lamente doing a lot of the instrumental stuff. He's worked with, with David from like Blue Velvet on, does all like, you know, the, the instrumental score of the movies, but you also have David Bowie, Nine Inch Nails, uh, an actual good song from Smashing Pumpkins. Uh, Lou Reed, Marilyn Manson, Barry Adamson, uh, Rammstein, uh, you know, there's all kinds of different stuff out here that I, I think works as a, as a great soundtrack because there's so many different styles. And I've just, I, I bought the soundtrack before I saw the movie, and then, I, you know, I saw the movie and loved it. Uh, it, it's just it works together so good one thing i did do though i was so pissed off i bought it on vinyl it finally came out on vinyl but there was two different presses there was one that was a single vinyl and one that was a double vinyl and i should have dropped i think it was like fucking five bucks more or eight bucks more to get the one that was on double vinyl but I was being cheap and ordering multiple shit. I was like, ah, I'll just get the single one. And I should I should have read the reviews because it's a bad vinyl pressing. I think that the CD sounds better than the vinyl that I got. And then I read the reviews. They're like, oh yeah, if you're gonna get this shit, get the double vinyl, you know, because the compression's less. And you know, for you audio files out there, if you're gonna drop the coin on it, go ahead and get the double vinyl version uh, everybody seems to like it better but it's all about the songs that are on there and I just think it works great uh, you know there's a little bit of dialogue thrown in almost like a, a a Tarantino soundtrack you know where there'll be little sound bites from the movie um, but I just love the juxtaposition of all the different you know styles of music that are on this uh, you know going from the Angelo Badalamente you know instrumental stuff you know, to the industrial stuff of Nine Inch Nails and, and Manson and stuff. But uh, just a really good soundtrack and a really good uh, movie, in my opinion. And I just love all things David Lynch. And uh, I'm just having a really good time right now re-watching Twin Peaks, uh, the original series, 
for probably like it's the sixth time watching you know the original tv version and then i'm gonna watch twin peaks the return you know and of course fire walk with me you know and that'll be like the second and third rewatch of those but i love everything david david lynch i hate it dude i thought Twin Peaks was one of the greatest shows ever. I really, I own it though, and I haven't sat down and watched it. Maybe I will give another chance, but I hated the movie and I hated the return. But goddamn, the original Twin Peaks, and you know what's unfortunate about the original Twin Peaks? I mean, the ratings went downhill after Laura Palmer, we found out who the killer was. Right. I thought it got even better after that with Leo and the fucking, the forest and that, that what was that psychotic fuck's name? That was after Wyndham Merle. Wyndham yeah, Wyndham Merle was badass, dude. I thought that show fucking ruled. Hated the, the cliffhanging ending, you know, with Cooper turning yeah. into Bob, and I'm like, oh my god, I want to see what happens, you know? That's and a show. Oh. Yeah, Return had some of it, but it didn't really go in depth, and I don't know, maybe I'll give it another chance. I do own it. I might as well watch it. But I gotta say, yeah. big thumbs up to Twin Peaks, that original series was fucking awesome. That's the Mighty Five Pie. I gotta see that show. <laughs> I keep hearing nothing but good things from you guys and many others about that show. I, got, I gotta check it out. Uh, it, it, it is a required taste, man. A lot of people I know fucking hate it. I yeah. love Twin Peaks. I, I mean, yeah. fucking you know, I'm a big John Carpenter fan. Is it kind of similar to like you know stuff like John Carpenter would do? No. no. But okay. <laughs> it's not, but no. they're foxy and like the Black Lodge like the forest yeah. and the and the red curtain. Oh yeah, I, I could see no, I, Carpenter do shit like that. Well, I I mean I you know another one of my favorite directors of all time, John Carpenter. Love love it. Love everything I'm a huge about his movies. John Carpenter nutswinger. Yeah, you know his storytelling. Uh, you know the music, everything with John Carpenter. David Lynch is very. Uh, yeah yeah, avant garde. It's very arty farty very surreal and sometimes it's not about it's not so much about the payoff but it's about the experience there'll be things in his movies and, and shows that you don't understand but that's okay it's, it's it's being in the moment enjoying the art of it and you know if you're not into that kind of arty shit then I can see you know people hate it like you know uh Ralph's a prime example. Ralph loves, loves, loves Blue Velvet. Yeah. He hates he hates Eraserhead. I, um, I never watched Eraserhead. I think I made like maybe oh, 30 minutes. That was a oh, weird movie. It was too hard. Oh yeah. Man. Oh yeah. No, and, and I get it. And I get but I mean there's there's times when I can watch Eraserhead. And and there's other times when I would just rather watch Blue Velvet. You know, it depends on your mood. But it's just, he's just an artist in the truest sense. He cares more about art than uh, traditional storytelling and, you know, being spoon-fed, this is what happens. He leaves a lot up into interpretation. He deliberately won't uh, explain stuff because he's like, what it means to you could be just as important as, if not more important than why I did it, you know? And he, to me, that, that he's a true artist in that sense of like... Uh, like, look at Dolly. You know, there's a lot of people look at Dolly, they can't understand his art, uh, and they think it's nonsense, and there's other people that can really enjoy it. It's just, it's abstract, it's what it means to you. Um, 
but I, I love his use of music and, and, and just the way he mixes it up. And I think that makes the Lost Highway soundtrack uh, an enjoyable soundtrack because it's not all bands that sound the same. It's not all music that sounds the same. It runs the gamut, but it keeps it interesting the same way one of the, his movies and Lost Highway in particular is exciting to me. Uh, Have you ever heard, Ian, uh, Anthrax's uh, different version of Black Lodge that was called Mellow to Mad Mix? Yes, yes, I, I have I have the single for that. Yeah, yeah, that's the guy from Twin Peaks. He did that that whole. Yeah, it blows away the sound of white noise version badly. Oh it's yeah, much better with that intro, the creepy Twin Peaks intro before it gets heavy. It, it, it's way I don't know. You know that the way that it starts on sound of white noise is kind of annoying to me with a little twangy guitar. But that yeah. version with the Twin Peaks guys is fucking phenomenal. Oh yeah. And, you know, Scotty and, you know, he's done a lot of David Lynch related stuff, you know, uh, Now It's Dark off of uh, uh, State of Euphoria is about Blue Velvet. Song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that's that's all about Blue Velvet. Uh, you know, yeah, Black, but... Black Lodge is, you know, Twin Peaks. Even though what you were saying before, and it is true, David Lynch is all over the place. Blue Velvet, I think, is what I've seen of his stuff. I haven't seen everything. I think yeah. it was the most consistent where you can keep up, you know, and yeah. it's not too cerebral. It is in spots. Like, I still yes. don't know what the fuck that means in the beginning when it goes like that close up in the grass with the bugs. I was like, well, what was that about? But the rest of it was like, you know, pretty yeah. uh, straightforward. Well, I, I mean, what I would say about that is, you know, uh, you know, a lot of Blue Velvet is about the, the underbelly of America. You know, there's so much about Blue Velvet that's, you know, like cherry pie. You know, like the way you see a Norman Rockwell painting and you think Americana. There's a lot of that when Blue Velvet starts out, you see the white picket fences, you see all this. And, you know, then it goes from that to, you know, you see the garden hose get constricted and his dad has the heart attack. And then you see the ear and the grass covered in ants. You know, like, where did that ear come from? And like, Behind this Americana facade, there's this darkness, which is, you know, Frank Booth and, and the whole shit that goes on from there. So it's a really good juxtaposition of different levels of Americana. And a I think candy I, cover clown? Yeah. <laughs> you know what a love letter is? Yeah. Uh, you know, just great shit. And I, I'm a huge fan. And uh, yeah, Let me ask, you know, do you have uh, Blue Velvet on Blu-ray? Yes, I do. Yes, of course. Unfortunately, mine, even though I can still play it, it only plays European. I didn't know if it ever was released because I bought it a while ago. Yeah, yeah, no, there's. Um, America. I, I'm, I'm very excited for it to come out on, on 4K. You can get on Blu ray, there is a 4K. It, it's like a 4K scaled down to Blu ray uh, Criterion collection put out. I have that one, and it's amazing, and there's like a whole like hour and a half like stuff that was cut out of it that is amazing oh i got even even adds to it yeah uh i would recommend right now through the month of november there's a criterion sale at uh i believe you can get it on amazon and barnes and noble you can get it for like 19.99 get the criterion uh version of blue velvet 
I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go to Amazon because Barnes and Nobles are a piece of shit. Okay, yeah. we'll, go, we'll go to Amazon. You should be able to get it for under twenty dollars. Uh, you, you've never seen it look better than it has, and the special features that are on there is incredible. Um, I wonder. You know, if and special features are different because I have the European version. I have a, bl- a Blu-ray player that plays all regions. Oh yeah, oh, that's green one. Yeah, I need to get one yeah. of those. Yeah, those are great. I have one in my wish list. I, I want to get that. But yeah, the uh, the Criterion Collection will play on, you know, any American player, and of course you have region free. Uh, but yeah, pick that up, uh, and that's only going to last through November. So if you want to get it cheap, get it now. And you know, for any David Lynch fans that are out there, you can pick up uh, any Criterion, which is a boutique label that has Arden Party movies. Um, all their Blu-rays are $20 and you can get their 4Ks for $25 so if you want, I have the 4K of Mulholland Drive and of Lost Highway um, you know, now's the time to pick them up but yeah, huge fan of David Lynch and I think as a soundtrack, it's it's very cinematic uh, it, you know, and I love how it goes between the traditional songs and the the score of the movie i think it takes you on a journey the same way the movie does and uh i think that makes it a great experience but what's your pick of the week ralph well i'm gonna i just thought of this i was like man i should talk about metal massacre 4 where nice yeah because i did play it today and um yeah you see back in the day i mean the the i don't know man i think the the there was such a special feeling buying these metal masters and any any compilation. I mean, my all-time favorite compilation ever. I don't even think there's a series of them. It's called Metal Hammer. I mean, that's where I discovered Anthrax was Metal Thrash and Mad and Raven and all these tank, all these bands I never heard of. But the, Metal Massacre did the same thing too. But the, you know that Metal Hammer one is like, dude, every fucking song on there was fucking. I had to buy every album. Thunderfire, extremely. This is a beautiful thing. Thunderfire is like the most obscure band in the history of metal, and they were on there. A song called Danger. It sounds like Motorhead. It's just amazing stuff. And dude, I went online looking for that shit, and I found the vinyl for like six bucks. It's beautiful, dude. I thought that you know because it didn't take off. It wasn't an underground thing, and that whole album rules. But we're talking about Metal Massacre Four. And yeah, I've owned all of them, all the vinyl ones back in the day, two, one, you know, Armored Saint, Slayer, Overkill, all those bands I discovered on Metal Master, as well as, you know, uh, Trouble, that's on this one, and also, you know, uh, Z-Trope, E-Trope, which is pronounced E-Trope, what an amazing band, you want to talk about fucking underrated, they were from uh, Chicago, and the drummer was, he passed away, what a talent. He was an amazing drummer and the lead vocalist of the band. And I know, you know, I kind of have a problem with that visually, but it's still, the guy's voice is awesome. They were gritty, heavy. Another band called War Cry and Abattoir is on there and Witch Slayer, which I don't think ever made an album with the song called I Don't Want to Die, That Fucking Rule. Uh, August Red Moon, Thrust, Medieval. This is the one metal master I will say every song's a winner. Uh, the opening track, oh my god, The Alien by Sacred Blade. You know what I mean? This shit's fucking awesome, man. And uh, Death Dealer. 
I think, I don't know if Ian would like Death Dealer, but I am convinced Ian would not like their uh, bass player and uh, of the band because his name is Jean-Pierre. Oh, oh French, French fuck. Yeah, that'll, that'll probably taint that band for you, but I love the uh, uh, Oh, does he wear a fucking beret in the video? Dude, <laughs> what? This shit's so fucking obscure, I don't even think they did anything after this Metal Master 4. I don't think they have an album. Yeah, All right. Cigarette holders. Yeah. Well, th this is something I will say, though. Uh, and this, because I love the listeners of these shows, and I encourage you to check out our picks of the week. I realize Metal Massacre 4 is probably hard for a lot of you to obtain. I do have a copy of this, and any listeners of this show who are interested in this, if you if you are a little bit computer savvy and you have Dropbox, send me a message. Get in touch with me through the Facebook page, Instant Messenger, whatever. If you're a friend of mine on Facebook, and I will send you a copy of Metal Master Four because uh, I, I want people to hear this stuff. You know, our picks of the week. Are, you know, it's, it's shit we believe in, but I know sometimes what we pick is hard for the normal person to obtain. So anybody who needs a copy of this, I'm not going to charge you because I'm not that guy. But uh, I will send Metal Massacre 4 to anybody who wants it. And if you listen to it and like it, it's only 12 bucks on Discord. A vinyl version of it. Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah. Well, there you go. So, nice. I, di I didn't know you could still obtain it, so that's killer. Yeah, yeah. I don't know about the other Metal Masters, but that's a great, great, amazing price. You know, nice. for you know, I'm telling you, dude, I'd go to these stores, and if I'd see a Metal Master, I didn't know. You know, when a new Metal Master will come out, I, I'd go to a store intensely, okay, I'm going to buy this out. Then I'd see a new Metal Master, I was like, oh, no, I'll just have to wait next week. I'd have to get the Metal Master, because they never, ever disappointed me without, with, with, you know, I always, always found a band that I ended up loving and buying their albums. And then there's all these bands that just released one song on these Metal Maskers that are a fucking amazing band. Like, man, check out Sacred Blade, the alien. I mean, these are amazing, man. And, you know, wedged in all this shit is uh, Lizzie Borden, Rod of Iron. You know, it's like, it's yeah. Yeah. great. These Metal Maskers. I thought Brian Slagle was a goddamn genius. Yeah. That, that goes to you, too, Ralph. If, if you want, I have Metal Masker... Uh, one through eleven. Yeah, so. I'm gonna I'm gonna need them, and and you know you can start talking. I'm gonna go through my files now and tell you which ones I need. Nice, nice, awesome. Well, those are our picks of the week, and now it is time to go to fan of the week. And uh, man, I can't believe it took this long to get this guy on here. But man, Eric Jordan, Eric RMCP, as everybody knows him. Uh, man, it, it was such a pleasure to do this show with you, and you picked an album that both Ralph and I loved. Ralph knew he loved it. I didn't know I loved it, but I did. Um, but man, you've just you've been around for a long time. Uh, you always, you know, uh, share the episodes. You know, you always put out the word about you know this podcast. You started your own podcast with the amazing. Uh, Edwin Canastracci. Uh, 
you know, how did you discover this show, and uh, you know, what what hooked you in about this? You know, other than uh, Tim. <laughs> Uh, oh man, well, uh, it definitely wasn't albino grimace, um, but fucking, it was uh, Ralph's videos. Uh, I I went through a, a, a shitty breakup. Some some bitch uh, dumped me, and I was kind of feeling down, you know. And I was uh, looking up videos at the time. I was like, uh, kiss, you know, a big kiss kick, and uh, especially Asylum, as uh, as a lot of people yeah. on the page you know, my favorite kiss song is "Who Wants to Be Lonely." <laughs> so I look. I look up Ralph's review. I love that song. <laughs> I love that song. Dude, that's, that's my favorite kiss song. Dude, that's as funny as fucking, uh, it is very popular in the, in the back pocket. <laughs> <laughs> but needless to say, I look up Ralph's uh, video of a review of Asylum on the Almost Human page, and he, he totally shit on that song. He's like, yeah, that song sucks. But I, I loved his videos because at the time, other like uh, Kiss reviews I heard, it was always like the same. You know, it was the Kiss tards or Kiss twats, as uh, Ralph calls them, where they just they liked everything. And e- even I, as a big Kiss fan, was like, not everything is fucking good. Like, th- there's some shit that sucks. Paul can't sing now. All this and that. Tommy Thayer is a fucking disgrace. And I, I loved Ralph's videos because he was just straight up and. I looked at his art videos. He loved a lot of the bands I loved, you know, Armored Saints, um, you know, which were Sabotage. And so I, I watched all of his videos, and he, he also introduced me to a lot of bands I overlooked. And I think uh, he, you know, I eventually added him on Facebook. I went on the Almost Human uh, Facebook page, and he posted a link for Leo's Women and Children first episode of the Rock and Metal Combat podcast. And listen to it man i i've just been hooked ever since man you guys were a podcast that just you know you weren't pc you said what you said you weren't afraid to offend anyone and just your your show was more like it, it didn't sound like a podcast it sounded more like just you know friends hanging out and talking metal and uh you know having fun cracking jokes and that's what i liked about it, it felt like i was hanging out with friends talking music and you, you guys and uh, the Angry Video Game Nerd uh, were two of my biggest inspirations for starting my own podcast with the, you know, the amazing Ellen Castrachi, Rock All Every Podcast. Go check us out. But yeah, I love your guys' podcast, man. You guys helped me through some really rough times in my life. You, you, uh, you know, kind of, you know, you talk about a lot of bands I love, but you also introduced me a lot of bands that I never gave the chance or never. You know, gave the time of day and uh, reignited my love for a lot of bands that I had kind of forgotten about. So, yeah, this podcast means the world to me. Uh, that's why I proudly wear the RMCP next to my name on Facebook. And uh, yeah, I really look up to you guys. You guys mean, uh, you know, the show means a lot to me. And you guys have really, you know, you went from being a podcast I love to just being two really great friends. Yeah, well, thank you, dude. And I, uh, another reason you look up to us is because you're short. Yes, exactly. You guys are <laughs> fucking tall as shit. I'm scared. I'm going to Rockin' Pod this year, and I'm scared because I'm like looking at everyone like you guys, Bushy. And I'm like, God damn, I'll be a fucking midget, you know, when I go here. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's awesome, and I love that. You know, we turned you on to other stuff, and you know, the great thing is because of our enthusiasm and and your choice that you know there could be a lot of Lizzie Borden fans that are born because of this episode, and I think that's fantastic and. Uh, you know, just all the, you know, the loyalty you've sh- shown to the show, and you know, you've always put the word out, always shared stuff, and 
you know, we are so lucky to have people like you listen to the show, and I'm so glad you enjoy it. And uh, it is. It's an honor to finally have you on here. And I know I'm going to be on your guys' show. We were supposed to do it months ago. I was supposed to be on for Overkill. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I, I believe your wife had an emergency. Wife got COVID. Couldn't do it. For like the first yeah. month of time, man. My wife got COVID so many times. I was the only one in the family that did not get COVID. Yeah. Well, that's because you don't believe in it. Uh, and that's a secret. <laughs> that's a secret. You're a COVID denier and you're safe. Um, but uh, no, I, I would be more than honored. Uh, you know, you and Edwin, you know, I, I love you guys both. And I'm so, you know, proud that you guys started your own thing. You know, you got your own path, you know. That's fucking killer. I mean, if there's one thing anybody can take from this show, if we can do it, anybody can do it. You just can't do it as good as us. Uh, and that's fine. <laughs> you know, but uh, but no, I love that because at the core of it, that's what Ralph and I are. Just, you know, two assholes with a mic who don't give a fuck, but have this love of fucking music and rock and metal. And uh, man, we're just, we're very, very lucky, you know, and, when we needed you as, as as a as a fan, as a listener, to show up this week and to step up for us, you know, we're recording this episode today because of you and because of a lot of people like you, you know, because we were supposed to record an episode on Wednesday, and Wednesday morning is when we got taken off, you know, the proverbial airwaves, you know, um, you know, and it's like fuck well we're not recording today who knows what's going to happen but because of all you guys stepping up you know sending these emails letting people know how much this show means to you here we are Saturday you know recording again and uh, can't thank you enough brother and really appreciate you yeah man and and Ian I don't know I don't know if you're aware of this but people love when I just start singing a random hit from years years and years ago (laughs) Oh, <laughs> me too. Remember when I did Do You Feel Like I Do and shit like that? That was epic. Yeah. I actually went and listened to that album because of that. And, <laughs> and remember, remember when I broke out New Jack Hustler? Yeah. <laughs> well, now I got one. All right, here I go. All right. <clears throat> and now you find yourself in 82. The disco <laughs> hotspots hold no charm for you. You can see yourself with bigger things. You catch a pearl and ride a dragon's wing. Come on, everybody. Because it was the heat, the heat, heat of the moment. The heat of the moment. in your eyes. Thank you. Asia, baby. Asia. Yeah. Steve Carell fucking smashing through that fucking uh, semi-truck. What, hey. For your old virgin. What a singer that John Wetton. Yeah, hey, I love we're that huge, fucking song, dude. We're huge in Asia, and not just because they have small hands. You know? <laughs> love it. Yeah. All right. Well, that was our episode. We hope you enjoyed it. Come back next week when we slowly whittle down these fan episodes and get back to shit that we want to talk about. But I'll tell you what, this was a very nice detour. I enjoyed this one very much. Enjoyed having you on, Eric. And uh, look forward to having you back on the show. And uh, yeah, come back next week. Will somebody pick as wisely as Eric RMCP? I don't know. You'll find out next week 
on the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. I never meant to be so bad to you. One thing I said that I would never do. A look from you and I would fall from grace. And that's why I would fall from grace. Goodbye. Ambitions you remember